always so interested, to, like, in wondering what they would have been if he would have stayed alive. Because like I always make that joke that he might have been the, like, <laughs> right. you hate having a, you know, would you like all of your records in one collection? Hi, I'm Jim Morrison. And he's just a big bad guy, like, balding. Let me talk to you about reverse mortgages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Morrison's just doing inf- infomercials on, on Fox. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jim Morrison. <laughs> you know, riding through the storm is dangerous enough. Walking through it can be even more dangerous. That's why I always have a hurricane. It's a cane with suction cups on the bottom. So you don't slip and fall. Oh my god. So take it easy, baby. Take it as it comes. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's three minutes after six at DVE. Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. One degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Allegheny County Police Superintendent Coleman McDonough McDonough honored over two dozen county police officers for their heroics during the Tree of Life synagogue shooting. According to the Post-Gazette, the Award of Merit and Combat Cross honors were presented during a ceremony Friday night at the County Police Academy. Twenty-five officers were involved in rescuing the injured, escorting worshippers out of the synagogue. Some searched the building for explosives and others were responsible for the surrender of the suspect. Just because you're divorced uh, doesn't mean you can't still be cordial to your former spouse. Speak to them, and in the case of Mary Ziegler, donate an organ. Mary and her ex-husband, Bill Henricks, were married for 24 years before calling it quits 20 years ago. But they worked hard to remain friends and keep things amicable for the sake of their kids. Bill eventually remarried and found out last year he needed a kidney transplant and his health was quickly declining. Dozens of potential donors got tested, but none were a match. And that's when Mary stepped up. She got tested. Turns out she was a perfect match. She immediately offered to save her ex-husband's life. Mary said, for me, it wasn't even a decision. It was kind of like him calling up and saying, can you come over and help us rake the leaves? That's how I think of it. That transplant took place in October and was a complete success. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I'm trying to think if my dad would do that for my mom (laughs) or vice versa. Probably not. They'd be like, I'd like to, but I'm I'm busy that I'm, day. I, you know what? I had plans. I am so sorry. I just uh, talked to somebody. Uh, th- Bill and I go to the same chiropractor, and one of the doctors there gave a kidney to his sister-in-law. And then I saw him at work like two weeks later, and I was like, wow, what was that like? He's like, it's pretty pretty cool. He's like, it wasn't, you know, it's not too bad. It wasn't as bad as you think. Like a little yeah. sore. He's like, first day is not not so great. He's yeah, like, my my cousin just gave a kidney to her son. No kidding. Yeah, and it was like a big deal for her to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. She really, it meant a lot to her. So she's like, um, when you're the donor, yeah, it's not as bad in terms of uh, the recovery from mm-hmm. it. It's the having to take the anti rejection and everything when you yeah. you're the recipient. Yeah, um, receiving it is way way more difficult yeah i don't know and then i was like it, it was your sister-in-law he's like yeah and i'm like yeah i guess i'd give one to my sister i'm like it depends which one <laughs> <laughs> like that because i have a sister-in-law it depends when like what heartbeat. year are we talking are we on good terms this <laughs> right year? yeah exactly there's one i would get in a heartbeat she could have my leg but uh the other one eh, you know i don't know might take some coaxing 
A new Vietnamese restaurant is about to open in Keene, New Hampshire, and its name is getting a lot of attention and even some warnings from the city manager. The restaurant's owner, Isabel Jolie, thought she had come up with the perfect name to celebrate Vietnam's most popular dish, as well as the city of Keene, where the restaurant is located. She called the restaurant Pho Keene Great. Well, the city manager decided it's profane and told her to take the sign down. Jolie disagrees and insists it's just an attention-grabbing name. She says most of the people she's talked to agreed with her, so she doesn't intend on changing it. That restaurant scheduled to open on March 1st. I mean, that's like uh, the Sofa Kings or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of those plays on word, but I can understand why somebody would be uptight about it. But if the name of the town is Keen. Yeah, I don't know. Did you guys know the Golden Globes were last night? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you know until last night the Golden Globes were last night? Uh, yeah. I, I, I had didn't. seen a couple things like late in the week that it was this Sunday. I saw nothing until like 6 o'clock yesterday evening the, uh, that the, they were on. And the only reason it stuck with me is because Andy Samberg was hosting and I thought, oh, he's like the perfect host. He, he Was he the perfect host? Mm-hmm. I... I thought it was a little bit of an overcorrection by the Globes. Like, they went from Ricky Gervais, which was maybe too blue, like, you know, just totally crushing everybody, to way too milk toast. The clips I've seen was pretty, they were pretty boring. Um, Yeah, I think that was uh, by design. But he did a version of a bit that he had done on the Comedy Central roasts. And I think it was the roast of James Franco that he did. Where instead of roasting people, he just said really nice things about him, and then would be like, "Boom, roasted." Right. And so they kind of did that as the monologue, and I thought it was a good way around, you know, the controversy that's going on now with Kevin Hart mm-hmm. uh, and everything. Uh, I, I just thought it was a good way to avoid all that, and because honestly, if you're Andy Samberg, why you don't? That's not. It's not who you are. It's not you don't, worth the risk. Yeah. Who cares? And you're just picking up a gig. It's, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But like in terms of like my entertainment value, I was like, oh, that's cute. I didn't care. No, and I, I'm 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 assuming lots of people didn't. And it was a tune out. I don't know if it was. I mean, the Penguin game was on. So yeah. in, so in Pittsburgh, most people were were watching the Pens mm-hmm. at eight o'clock. But I don't know around the country, the the award shows are all going to have terrible reviews this year or or ratings rather because the movies are not exciting yeah i've yep. of the That's movies that we get to watch i there hasn't been one that i've watched so far that i thought wow that was really good i watched the star is born yesterday i'm like that was not a great movie so i have that queued up i i miss i want to watch that i think bradley cooper is really good in it i think lady gaga plays herself basically like uh the uh, she's a pop star it's um, like uh the female version of eight mile I th- I was gonna say Courtney Love, and I thought you were on the same page as me, and then you said the female version of Courtney Love. Let's say it together, <laughs> right? Let's say Eight it together. Mile. The female version of Courtney Love. Wait a minute, what? Well, the only award that uh, A Star Is Born got was Best Song, Best Original Song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody came away two huge wins last night at the Golden Globes. Uh, the Queen biopic named Best Motion Picture Drama and Star. Rami Malek took Best Actor in a Motion Picture Drama for playing Freddie Mercury. Here's part of his speech. To Queen. To you, Brian May. To you, 
Roger Taylor for ensuring that authenticity and inclusivity exists in the music and in the world and in all of us. Thank you to Freddie Mercury for giving me the joy of a lifetime. I love you, you beautiful man. This is for and because of you, gorgeous. Mwah. The night's other big winner, Green Book, walked away with three trophies, Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, Best Screenplay, and Best Actor in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture for Mahershala Ali and other acting categories. Glenn Close won Best Actress in a Motion Picture, Drama for The Wife. Olivia Coleman, Best Actress in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy for The Favorite. And Christian Bale won Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy for Vice. And he thanks someone unusual in his Speech. Thank you to uh, Satan for giving me inspiration <laughs> on how to play this role. Uh, <laughs> nice. In the TV categories, the Americans and the Kaminsky Method won the top awards. Uh, Chuck Lorre. Yes, good, Billy's uh, good friend. Billy, Billy's buddy. Billy's golden goose. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he accepted for uh, the award for best TV series, musical, or comedy for the Kaminsky Method. The Hi. folks at Warner Brothers, uh, Peter Roth, Warner Media. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm switch from Verizon to AT and T soon. Um, great cast, incredible cast, crew, Marlise, Annetta, Denny. My lovely wife. Uh, Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. <laughs> Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. Uh, Ted, Cindy, Jane, Andy, thank you so much for your love and support. To my daughter and son, who I hope are watching. Look what we did. It's great. Thank you. I like that show, The Kaminsky Method. I've only watched it. one episode so far. It's definitely very, it's like uh, Grumpy Old Men. I'll tell you the one movie that I've <laughs> seen last night that won something that I was really, really excited about, and I just saw it this weekend, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I took the kids to see it, and it is phenomenal. It yeah, is, wasn't that one of Sean Collier's top, yeah. top movies of the year? Yeah, it's one of the best movies that I've seen in a long, long time. Animated I, or otherwise, it was so good. I was... I've been sick. You know, I missed Friday show. It, I, it was one of those sicknesses where six hours of sleeping on the couch would happen. And, you know, you're awake at weird times. It, I was just knocked out. But when I was awake, I would watch our screeners. So I watched a bunch of them over the last four days. Any that you were really like, that's great. No. Yeah, I know. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody. You said is, it was bad. I, I watched it again because... You were like, ah, and I'm like, all right, maybe. No, I, didn't, I haven't seen it. I thought you said you liked it. No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, my God. So I watched it a second time, and it is entertaining. There is no doubt about it. It is entertaining. But if you know anything about Queen, it really leaves out a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, th their career arc wasn't quite what the movie depicts it to be. I mean, they skip all the, over the part where they play in Sun City during apartheid mm -hmm. and they were basically you know not exactly well received in the rock community for doing that and then um it, it's just is that in the movie at all no they don't talk about the soundtracks they did they don't talk about a lot of the 
points when the band was just not doing well. Um, but it is really entertaining. It's very PG, and it's Freddie Mercury. So mm-hmm. to me, that's like having a Frank Zappa movie that's G-rated. Mm-hmm. There's some allusion to the Freddie Mercury lifestyle and stuff, but like really the, reason, the reason that Sasha Baron Cohen wanted out of that movie or it didn't work out is because he's like, are you guys really not going to tell the most interesting part of this? Which he wanted is, to wear his Borat thong or it was no <laughs> for him. But the other movies I really liked, but the, here's what all of the movies are this year. Great performances in mediocre movies. Like Beautiful Boy with Steve Carell mm-hmm. and Timothy Chalamet. You've seen that movie a hundred times. Yeah, that could have been a Lifetime movie. But I thought Timothy Chalamet was good. Yes. And I thought Steve Carell was great. Mm-hmm. I, I just love Steve Carell. Vice, not a really good movie. It's just not. But the performances in it are outstanding. Like... like- Christian Bale is great, and Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld in that is great. And Crazy Rich Asians was enormous at the box office. I'm like, that was a cute movie. Yeah. You know, I don't see it as an award winner. I have that and A Star is Born queued up to watch. But now I'm going to watch Green Book. I didn't know it was a comedy. I thought it was like a serious- I didn't either. Yeah, yeah. me neither. I'm like, I don't know. Peter Farrelly directed that? I'm like, what? He, uh, was he the director or was he the uh, producer? I thought he was the director. Well, he may he may have been. I I don't know, but I <laughs> there's so like the Can You Ever Forgive Me movie mm-hmm. with Melissa McCarthy. So bo- I don't even it have is a watch. So it looks boring, but yeah. she is delightful. She's great. It's a super boring story. So the Oscars are gonna tank the ratings. Like if I were Kevin Hart in a million years, I wouldn't host it because uh, nobody's gonna watch it anyway. So like this whole he's considering going back to do it. No way, dude. TV no. acting honors went to Sandra Oh for Killing Eve, which I don't even think she's the best actress in that series. Uh, Richard Madden, The Bodyguard, Rachel Brosnahan, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Michael Douglas, The Kaminsky Method, Darren Chris, The Assassination of Gianni Versace, American Crime Story, Patricia Clarkson, Clarkson for Sharp Objects, Ben Wishaw for A Very English Scandal. I mentioned earlier uh, the best original song motion picture went to uh, A Star is Born. Uh, the song Shallow, Lady Gaga and Mark Ronson writing that. And Jeff Bridges received the Cecil B. DeMille Award. Carol Burnett was the first recipient of the Ceremony's Lifetime Achievement in Television Award, which was named in her honor. What has remained the same for every person who is lucky enough to be on television is the belief that we've been given an opportunity to do something special. We've been granted a gift, a canvas to paint with our talent. One that can make people laugh or cry or maybe do both. So this award, oh my gosh, so generously named after me, is dedicated to all those who made my dreams come true and to all those out there who share the love I have for television and who yearn to be part of this unique medium that has been so good to me. I'm just happy that our show happened when it did and that I can look back and say once more, I am so glad we had this time together. Thank you. I mean, that was perfect. She, she's just... She's genius. Class. But she talked about the fact that her show could never be done now yeah. and listed things like, you know, they had, uh, you know, 
30 piece orchestra, no mm-hmm. synthesizers, actual instruments, four, 12 dancers, yeah, dancers, right. like a bunch of dancers each week, that huge cast, the huge stage, the production, the, the costumes, the budget, the costumes, yeah. 65 costumes a week. Well, I think, was it Edith Head was the costume designer on the Carol Burnett show and she won like a billion Oscars. She was like the most renowned costume mm-hmm. designer. If it wasn't Edith Head, it was somebody like that. And she did all these unbelievable costumes. for the, No TV show could ever afford somebody like yeah. that now. Forecast today, increasing clouds, temperatures in the low 40s. It's 32 at DVE. All right, it is the DVE Morning Show. Uh, we got a lot to get to today, including uh, the, the AB and uh, Pittsburgh Steelers situation seems to be, well, really like cruising towards a conclusion a lot quicker than I thought it would be if you if the reports are to be believed. I don't know if they are or they aren't. But uh, can you cue up ACDC Highway to Hell? <laughs> That'd be a good song. Under pressure, the DV Morning Show. All right, Mike's coming in next. Sports report on the uh, NFL playoffs over the past weekend. The last night's game between the Bears and the Eagles was a doozy. Oh, man. Double doink game. It will forever be known as the double doink. The double doink. Uh, would you, listen, real question. Would you rather not make the playoffs or make the playoffs and go out like that? Because for me, I'd rather not make the playoffs uh, than, than make it for one game to be devastated like that at home. If I'm the Steelers, no, thank you. maybe. But if I'm the Bears, yes, I I, I want to get in the postseason. Yeah, I want to. I want to yeah, get. They haven't been there in a while. Um, but that so it turns out that kick was tipped, and I wonder if that will keep their tick their kicker uh, Cody Parkey from being the next Bartman in Chicago. Mike has the uh, full report on uh, all four games. Lamar Jackson can't get it done for the Ravens yesterday. Was anybody else watching that Ravens Chargers game? Going the Steelers are better than both these teams. <laughs> yeah. But also, I was marveling at both of their defenses. Really good. No doubt about it. But we can hang with it. I mean, we should have beat the Chargers, and and we did beat the Ravens. All right, Mike's uh, full report coming up when we return. Also, the Penguins last night on national TV. Well, it was a Sunday night game anyways against the Blackhawks, who they just just cannot get past. And once again, that holds up, and uh, they drop one last night in the midst of a pretty big winning streak. They seem to have turned things around, so last night uh, nothing to be too concerned about, but they're unable to get a point at home. Taco Bell. DVE. Sports. Mike, pursued it with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. What a uh, weekend of uh, NFL football culminating with the double doink last night that <laughs> I don't think anyone will ever forget. Cody Parkey. Nobody in Chicago or Philly, certainly. Uh. Will, will be uh, not quite Bartman-esque, I don't think. You know, now that, now that we know it's been tipped, maybe that will solve or save him, rather, a little bit of the ire of Chicagoland. But you know how those things go. Yeah, we didn't know that uh, right in the immediate aftermath of Eagles 16, Bears 15, a 43-yard field goal to win it, uh, clanking off the left upright, off the crossbar, and then it bounced back into the field of play rather than through the uprights, and the Eagles survive and advance. How about Nick Foles? They find a way again. and uh, This is like their Flurry Murray. BDN. It's like their Flurry Murray, except their Flurry's not ever won a thing. No, their Murray hasn't won a thing. No, Foles is their Murray. No, not really. Foles is the veteran. Yeah, but Wentz was the guy, and then he got hurt, so the other guy had to come in. 
Right. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yes. In the in Wentz the, was there first. Right. Except he doesn't have a Stanley Cup from eight years ago or whatever <laughs> right. it was. We're getting off track. It's a bad uh, analogy. Sorry. Uh, prior to the Eagles game, it was the Chargers ending the Ravens season 23-17. to 17. Uh, That some, game was way closer than it needed to be. Some fascinating stuff there that I want to talk about in a minute. Uh, Saturday's action, the Cowboys held off the Seahawks 24-22, and the Colts went into Houston and beat the Texans 21-7. Beat them bad. To seven. So uh, your matchups for this coming weekend – Saturday at 4.35 on NBC, Colts at the Chiefs. Saturday at 8.15 on Fox, Cowboys at the Rams. Then on Sunday, uh, one oh five on CBS, the Chargers at the Patriots. Yes. And then uh, 4.40, the uh, Eagles at the Saints. That's uh, a Fox game. That's why nobody talks about the Texans all year. Everyone goes, hey, look, the Texans are flying under the radar. They got a great defense, and look at Deshaun Watson. Out, yeah, I think they, I think they were different this year till they lost to Marius Thomas. He had an impact on that team. It wasn't, I agree. It wasn't quite as much as uh, what Amari Cooper has had with the Cowboys opening up Ezekiel Elliott. But when the Texans got Demarius Thomas, all of a sudden you couldn't put six guys on DeAndre Hopkins anymore, and they were more balanced and they were really good. And then they lost him a couple weeks ago, and it they were kind of right back to that team you just described that. Gee, let's get to the wild card round and then lose poorly. Uh, the the uh, Parky thing, uh, it came out gradually that that was tipped yeah. oh so slightly, but apparently just enough. <coughs> he had made uh, a, a kick right before that from 43 yards, but that uh, crafty Doug Peterson calling timeout, which I think is one of the dumb rules in sports. I hate that rule. I think that you should, if you want to call timeout, you can call it after the play when everybody else does. There should be a limit, like with thirty seconds. If the kick gets off, you you don't get the timeout. Or not, not even that. Just you can't call it Once after set. after the play clock's down to fifteen or something of that nature. That I think that's a silly thing. It's a, it's a nice Pepsi commercial with Ron Rivera, but uh, mm-hmm. beyond that, I think it's stupid. But hey, it worked uh, for the Eagles. And they're advancing. The the Chargers Ravens thing was uh, fascinating on a couple of levels. Uh, number one, the Chargers went with seven defensive backs almost every snap. And what had we been talking about with the Steelers since the spring? That dollar package. They never really got around to it more than a handful of times because of injuries and, and just the way things played out. But the Chargers had the guys to play pass defense and also stop the run. And when I say stop the run, the best running team, the read option game and all that Lamar Jackson stuff. And uh, with guys like Derwin James, they were able to handle it. And uh, Melvin Ingram, their outside linebacker, was just phenomenal. Oh, my God. He was next level in that yeah. game. Now, could they do that and pat and, and stop a better passing attack? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. But uh, they were pretty good defensively. And uh, John Harbaugh, the Ravens coach after the game, talking about Joe Flacco basically in the past tense. And saying there's going to, he never went to Flacco when the Ravens were struggling mightily throughout the game, and then he said afterward, uh, Jackson's our quarterback, and there will be a market for Joe. I uh, wow, I, I I did wonder if they wouldn't have been better off to to switch after the first half, and Lamar didn't really get going until the fourth quarter, so there was a wasted quarter there. So a lot of people were pointing to the fact of oh, all you people who wanted him to bench uh, Lamar for uh, Flacco, look what he did in the fourth quarter. Like, but yeah, but you, you ran out of clock. You did, but I think they would have been 
If there was a mistake that Harbaugh made in that game, I thought it was the onside kick after the first one, the first touchdown, mm-hmm. because that cost them field position, yep. mm-hmm. and, and they got that second touchdown at one fifty nine. If they if they had been able to score that on the north side of the two minute warning, they still had their timeouts. Or they had two timeouts. Mm-hmm. They could have used the two and gotten the ball back with a whole lot more time left. It wouldn't have been as desperate at the end. Yeah, it, it seemed to me like they were playing for their with their future quarterback because when they didn't put Flacco in, how bad he was playing. What what did he have before he went off in the third and fourth quarter? I mean, he had no stats at all. Yeah, he was bad, but uh, nobody knows how they did the practice reps and, and mm-hmm. whether Flacco was prepared to play. He hasn't played in a long time. And that rush was ferocious. He's not a guy that escapes the rush. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I, you know, that's it, it's not a video game where you just put in a guy with a different number right. card and he does what he always does. So I, the coaches, to me, know better who's ready to play and who isn't and what the game plan is and what they've worked on. But uh, that onside kicks, to me, are almost something that has to go away because it, the percentage is so low. It has to be last so, resort. Yeah, and he still had six-something minutes left. And he, and he tried it and didn't work. But uh, yeah, it's easy to say that stuff now. But the Ravens, it, it's interesting. The Ravens are turning the page to Lamar Jackson. The Browns uh, are going to Baker Mayfield. Um, the whole division is changing. The Bengals got rid of Marvin Lewis. It's uh, it's an interesting time in the AFC North. Are they really going to hire Hugh Jackson? If they do, if that, they that hire just, Hugh Jackson, they are the new Browns. The NFL should should annex that that <laughs> franchise. And just move it to the CFL until they can figure out what's going on. Make it like European soccer. If you reach below a certain line, then you have to go play in Canada. Yes, that's right. You're relegated? Exactly. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, you're in the Bundesliga now. <laughs> Steelers have uh, already started turning the page and moving forward into 2019. They will do so without outside linebackers coach Joey Porter. Steelers announcing uh, via statement uh, from head coach Mike Tomlin, I have informed Joey Porter, that we will not renew his contract. These are difficult decisions when it comes to someone like Joey, who's meant a lot to this organization as both a player and a coach. I want to thank Joey for his coaching efforts over the past five years on our defensive staff. We wish him the best. I wonder if that was Mr. Rooney or if that was Mr. Tomlin. Uh, well, probably uh, as are uh, most decisions uh, over there, it's probably a group thing, but I think it... Uh, I had heard from a couple of offensive players uh, late in the season, and this was something I was intending to uh, investigate further once the year was over. But offensive, a couple offensive players complained that Porter was becoming divisive in terms of pitting the uh, defense against the offense, and not in a productive way, like in a in a blame kind of way. Like, well, they, they didn't get a lot of details on it, but they weren't happy about it. And I don't know if he was trying to motivate the defense or or what was going on there, but it wasn't something that. <laughs> Uh, I didn't think at the time was conductive to uh, chemistry and culture, and the uh, Steelers parting ways with Porter would seemingly be an acknowledgement of that. Because if you look at how the outside linebackers performed, I thought Bud Dupree was adequate, reasonable. TJ was great. He was better. He wasn't great. TJ Watt is on his way to superstardom. Mm-hmm. And they just don't have a lot after that. I mean, if you expected him to turn Ola Adeni into. Who's hurt? An all-pro. That wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Penn's lost to the uh, Blackhawks 5-3. to three. Their eight-game winning streak is history. Penn's uh, blue leads a 2-0 and 3-2. to two. Hopefully they won't play Chicago in the Stanley Cup final. 
<laughs> Haven't been good against them this year. Blackhawks can't seem to beat anybody else, but they're beating the Penguins pretty good. Pens have uh, Florida at home on Tuesday. That's going to be 70s night. Fans are invited to wear their best 70s-inspired attire or just listen to DVE because hmm. we'll be playing the same songs. Yeah, good point. <laughs> and uh, Cultural Bulls <laughs> National Championship is tonight. Alabama against Clemson again. What's the line on that? Uh, four and a half, I think, is the last one I saw. What's the over? Didn't look for that. I like it. I like this. Uh, this these two offenses going at it. It's Rocky Four, uh, 2016. Alabama beat Clemson for the national championship. 2017, Clemson beat Alabama for the national championship. 2018, Alabama beat Clemson in the semifinals. And West Virginia's got a new head coach. Uh, the Mountaineers have hired Neil Brown, formerly of Troy, to replace Dana Holgerson. Yeah, Holgi. From what I heard, was not going to get an extension. He had another year left on his contract. Read the writing on the wall, and uh, hello, Houston. He, uh, he y'all wanted, got tequila down there. <laughs> wanted to go to. Uh, was hoping for something more like Texas Tech type of stas- status, but uh, ended up in Houston. That'll probably be a good fit for Hoagie. But I, I thought Hoagie and Huggy were the greatest one-two coach combo. Certainly the most that it, colorful. That the, uh, the Mountaineers could have ever hoped for. Very representative of the uh, aesthetic <laughs> of the university. Neil Brown's an interesting hire. He's 38 years old, and uh, he had gone 35-16 uh, and 16 at Troy, which is in the Sun Belt. Not uh, exactly Power 5, but uh, Troy and Neil Brown beat LSU in 2017 and Nebraska this season. Uh, on the way for you. No A-B news there from Mike. Nothing. Uh, no, I'm kind of over it. You're kind of uh, done, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it, nothing is going to resolve itself hmm. in the you know next uh, week or so here. And they can't trade him until uh, early March when the league year begins again and free agency begins. And they're not going to make uh, emotional decisions, as you know, because that's not how they operate. The only thing I would say about it is all this, you know, he said, he said, he said, it's bouncing around. Remember when we had Cam Hayward on that? The, the players know what went on the week before the Bengals game. Yes. Okay, so Cam Hayward said, I think it can be mended. I think it should be mended, but it's going to take a lot of mending. Words to that effect. Th- this is going to come down to whether or not Antonio Brown wants to be here. And if he does, if he is willing to make significant changes in the way he comports himself. Now, how they do that. And, and do it in how he can project to them in a manner that he would do that, that they would believe. <laughs> that is uh, That remains to be seen. Val's News, top of the hour. Well, there's dry January, there's veganuary, and now there's January. I'll tell you what it is coming up. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Well, Peggy Young passed away last week. We talked about it briefly. Neil Young's wife of many years. Uh, and Pretty Peggy, as you might know her if you're a, an aficionado of uh, Neil's lyrics, um, she started the Bridge School Benefit in the Bridge School with Neil Young. Uh, she was a pretty accomplished person. Your microphone still mm, needing yeah. WD-40 over there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but N- Neil put uh, something up on his site saying, Thanks, Peggy, for being such a wonderful mother to our children. You live inside of them, and the many you have touched. Well, it went on a little more than that, even. Um, and you can read it on his site. But some people were upset with the way that the that her death was reported. 
because it in the New York Times, I think, they said uh, discarded wife of rocker Neil Young oh. passes away. You know, Why and did they characterize it I like that? I don't know. Well, he left her for Daryl Hannah, and, you know, that was not exactly, uh, uh, you know... A well friendly, yeah, that that didn't that didn't, bad look. No, that didn't look so good for Neil. Uh, but I had a chance to interview Peggy last year, and she wrote an album and recorded it down in Memphis, I believe, with Spencer uh, or Spooner Oldham, uh, a few guys. And uh, I talked to her with her about her breakup with Neil. We came up with the name, I think, just right then and there. Peggy, when did you know you were going to use this monumental uh, occasion of your life, the, the breaking up of the partnership with Neil, to be the impetus for a collection of songs? Well, you know, in the immediate aftermath, um, uh, I just turned to, you know, my go-to place, which is writing, 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 writing. So I just wrote a lot. And, um, you know, some of it was just kind of, blah, you know, just like, got to get this out. But, uh, you know, some of it seemed to be kind of song worthy. So probably close to a year later, we played the Stagecoach Festival in Indio, uh, same place where they're doing Coachella this weekend, I, I guess. And uh, then Spooner and Calvin and I went back to the hotel in L.A. and just kind of holed up for a few days and... I didn't have a melody, I hadn't played my guitar, I hadn't done anything. I just had been writing, that's it. And so, you know, the three of us just collaborated on, uh, you know, Calvin might pick up a little, you know, melody, and mm-hmm. we're looking through my lyrics, and, well, this might fit with that, and this right here, and then maybe Spooner would have a little lick, or, you you know, it's just a totally collaborative, collaborative process. Um, well, I would imagine there were a variety of different emotions that were driving your songwriting for this album, uh, uh, given the the, uh, the the subject matter. Was there one in particular, was there a primary emotion that you think was the most driving of all of them? Well, you know what, they've been, you know, it's been all over the map. You know, when, when this record was done and I was listening back to the tracks that we chose to put on this record, because we, we did a bunch of other songs that are, you know, mixed and, you know, may see the light of day, may not. Uh, but, you know, I, I was like, man, this is like the soundtrack of the seven or five, seven stages of grief. You know, it's like uh-huh. you're all over the map. So everything from hurt and, you know, anger and denial and, you know, ex, you know, moving on towards, you know, the ultimate goal, which is, you know, acceptance, forgiveness, acceptance. So I think this, uh, you know, this record, as you listen to it as a as a body of work, which is, you know, I'm old school. That's the way I like to put it together. Right. Uh, so it's got this, you know, it tells a story. And I think this takes you on a journey. I think uh, hopefully it does. Hopefully the listener goes on a journey and there's an arc to the record, you know. So it kind of starts off in one vein and, then you know, kind of takes you through until it finishes up on the... You know, for note of forgiveness and moving on. How effective was the catharsis of doing this for you? How much further along do you think you are in those stages than you would have been had you not recorded this album? Well, that's, you know, that's a hard thing to say because I did what I did, but I do know that, uh, you know, I'm really, really grateful that I had writing as an outlet because, uh, you know, it was a challenging time and... You know, I'm not the only one who's gone through, 
you know, heartbreak and grief and sorrow. I mean, it's part of the human condition. So, you know, I'm glad. I hope that this, you know, record also some of the messages and in, in this record, you know, resonate with other people who've gone through loss and are um, dealing with the, their grief and and uh, you know, but coming out the other side. That's my. That's the over overarching message. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, you know. You can curl up and just stay curled up in the fetal position. I did that for a while. And then, you know, you yeah. got to get on with it. you got to right. get up, get back, you know, participate in your own life and your own happiness. After a year-long battle with cancer, Peggy Young passed away. Um, that was a real drag. Way too young. It was really uh, an honor to get to talk to her uh, last year. She was only 66. Yeah, she was very young. And Neil posted on his uh, website... The lyrics to the song Such a Woman from the 1992 album Harvest Moon, in which uh, he wrote this song for her, too, Harvest Moon. But the lyrics on Such a Woman are, You're such a woman to me, and I love you. Our love will live until the end of time. No one else can kill me like you do. No one else can fill me like you do. And no, no one else can feel our pain. Love is a healer, and I love you. You are such a woman to me. Thanks, Peggy, for being such a wonderful mother to our children. I mean... In retrospect, that seems really, really nice. But like, if you were in the Peggy camp and he just kind of dumped her, oh, I left, took off with Daryl Hannah because she was like, "No, tell me more about Pono." You know, no, I, I want to ride in your big electric Lincoln. I don't know. I love Neil. But uh, the passing of Peggy was was a pretty sad thing, and she did inspire some pretty great music, and help him raise his kids. And the Bridge School will really be uh, her legacy. Val, we got coming up. We're going to talk about January and mm-hmm. what that means because okay. everybody's like I'm on terrified the, on the bandwagon for something in January. Plus, if you don't have tickets to Hamilton, we uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Hamilton Kings have an alternative for you. That's on the way. We'll talk with Jeremy Fowler from ESPN and Stan Saverin. A little bit later on this morning, the latest on the A-B situation. And uh, a look back at this weekend's NFL playoff games. That's coming up on the DVE Morning Show. Neil Young is announcing he's quitting Facebook to concentrate on his online archives. <laughs> Neil website. Young was on Facebook? I know. That's just the strangest thing. <laughs> I'm done playing Farmville. In a it's Facebook. better to log off. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Oh, yeah. It's the DVE Morning Show. And uh, we're all aglow from the Golden Globes last night. No, I'm just kidding. We really we don't care about that. Um, I'm back after uh, a little bit of the illness. Boy, I, I was bragging to Val that I made it through the holidays, being around sick people the entire time, and never got sick. And then two days back to work, and I got I, I don't I don't know the, some sort of plague. Oh, you have yeah, a you're down for the whole weekend. I was. You were it, fighting it the first two days back. Not the second day I was. Yeah. What was it? The bubonic? The black? <laughs> I don't Which know. Which plague did you get? It was the one where when I got home from work on Thursday, I was like, I'll just take a quick nap. I'll sleep this off and it'll all be good. And then 12 hours later, I was still in bed. And I'm like, this is probably bad. 
So then yeah. I thought, well, maybe I slept it off, and then I just did not. And I think I texted Val at like four in the morning, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I think I should not come in because you guys don't want this. I got out of the shower. I was like, wow, I have a text message. <laughs> this can't be good. No, <laughs> it's right. four in the morning. No, there's never a four a.m. text message that says, "Great news." <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have you had a flu shot? Yeah, I did get a flu shot, and I wondered if I got the flu. You know how they say, even if you know the flu shot can stop you from getting the flu, or minimize it. It might already it. be cooking in your system, and that well, it might have minimized the effects of the flu. I basically there was forty eight hours I couldn't move. When did you get your flu shot? September. Oh, okay, so you're good. Yeah, a long time ago. Um, but at any rate, it's I'm fine. It's it's all good. People, everybody's sick. It's that time of year. Mm-hmm. You just don't want it to like morph into the next thing. That's really the goal, right? Yes. Now the because if you like think you're oh I'm better now and you just proceed as if everything's fine mm-hmm. then you get bronchitis after the fact mm. but the thing that everybody's getting now in in Pennsylvania and it was up in Erie when I was there at Christmas is the stomach flu and mm. that is spreading at a ridiculous rate and everybody in Pittsburgh starting to come down with it from what I've read mm. no this is news to you you haven't seen this I don't know anybody who's had that you don't want the stomach flu I haven't had it for a long, long time. I haven't really been sick for a long time. Well, you've got an iron just constitution. A, just minor, yeah. like a day or so. You're built like a prairie woman. Like, like. <laughs> Great, I'm going to live yeah. forever. No, you could like, no, you could. Yeah, you d- probably could have made the journey westward. <laughs> d- yes, you could have. You, you could have survived the Oregon Trail. The Oregon Trail, you would have been. But you would have been the, the one all the guys wanted to protect the homestead. <laughs> <laughs> That woman right there, that's the woman you have kids with. So I said the other, kids are strong. I said the other day, I could use a few days with absolutely nothing to do, so I've just been rubbing my face all over cart handles and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, touching exactly. everything that I can I just want to watch a bunch touch. of movies. Yeah. I would have been the one on the Shut back of the wagon train on the Oregon Trail who died a weekend. <laughs> and they're like, just leave him. And I'm like, guys. But the one that was like, I feel great, guys. This is going to be an awesome trip, right? Everybody's pumped about this. The guy kept singing stupid parody songs the whole way. Guys, I have scarlet fever. (laughs) Yeah, the only, uh, if there is a benefit to being sick is once you get out of the coma part of it, is that you just kind of sit there and mindlessly watch TV. And I did watch a bunch of the movies we got for screeners for the SAG Awards, some of which were honored last night at the Golden Globes. And... I said it last hour, this year the ratings are going to be terrible for the movie uh, awards, the Oscars and the SAGs, because they're not interesting movies. There's yes. no big, big movie that everyone's like, oh, this was the best. Black Panther would be the closest one to that. I don't think that won anything last Did, night. No. Did you watch Black Klansman yet? Yes. Did you like it? I thought it was an interesting movie with great acting. Yeah, I thought it was okay. And it, it was it's just the most anticlimactic ending ever because i couldn't figure out i'm like is this supposed to be a comedy and it's not funny or is it supposed to be a drama and it's just kind of okay <laughs> the second thing. like silly. i couldn't really get a grasp on what it was supposed to be it's that's spike, spike lee. lee right yeah, okay, spike, yeah that like it's like inside man you know there's like little comedic yeah interludes but it's not really supposed to be a comedy um but it's a good story it just doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. the most interesting thing about uh the black Klansman movie is that that's denzel washington's son is it? And then really? after you know that, you can't not hear Denzel huh. in his voice. Yeah. But that movie's okay. The, the Beautiful Boy movie, you've seen it a thousand mm-hmm. times, but good yeah. acting from Steve Carell and uh, Timothy Chalamet. The Melissa McCarthy movie, 
super boring. Have you watched any of the TV shows? Well, I've seen a bunch. I loved Barry. I didn't watch The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, I don't. Um, Killing Eve really was good. To see that. Everybody tells me that's awesome. It's on Hulu. No, it's. Uh, I think it's A and E. Okay, marvelous. But we Mrs. got it as a screener. Oh, we did. Yeah. Okay. And um, Escape of Danamora or Escape from Danamora. I do want to see that. Yeah. I watched uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel again, and it, I am still amazed that anybody likes that, except for me and like. I don't know four women from Poughkeepsie. Is that is that two seasons in already? Yeah, but it's like if you're a comedy geek, you'll like that aspect of its depiction of the origin of stand-up comedy in New York and in the Catskills. But I, you know, I know a lot of women love it for the costume design and the music and and everything. It just doesn't. It's not a very relatable show. I'm surprised it does so well. Uh, here is the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. 31 degrees now at DVEM Val Porter. There is a movie out now called Escape Room, but in Poland, an actual escape room went up in flames, killing five 15-year-old girls. They oh. were locked inside the escape oh. room when the fire started. Oh. Firefighters arrived on the scene to find the building, building fully engulfed in flames. Sunday was a day of mourning in the Polish city of Kozielin. Starting today, fire inspectors will visit all 1,000 escape room sites in Poland to review their emergency exit routes. Lenten fish fries are a huge thing in Pittsburgh. If you can't wait until Lent, there's already a local church getting in on the Friday fish fry mania. Riverview United Presbyterian Church on Perrysville Avenue hosted their first fish fry of the season last Friday. They'll have another one the first Friday in February. Lent doesn't begin until March 6th. It ends on April 18th. Oh, man, we're almost all the way into fish fry season. Maybe Love we should, it. We should do some sort of fish fry. Like a March Madness yeah. bracket? Yeah, they do them already. <laughs> oh, do they? Do yeah. they? Yeah, is it the isn't Incline? The, oh, do they do yeah, that? Yeah, they did a big one And last isn't there year. an app that you can get where it so, shows yeah. you all the fish fries in the city? We found some good ones. For a while, we were, we were going place to place every Friday with some friends, but... I don't know if this is a controversial take, but I think it's really hard to screw up a fish fry. Mm-mm. Yeah, you can. I've never had a bad... If fish you, sandwich. Yeah. It's about first of all, hygiene comes into play in a big way. <laughs> well, if you clean, if you have a clean kitchen, clean fryers. If it's oh, like, yeah, like some Dirty church grease. that just kicks it all back up again, you know, every month and they have a new event going through, then it might not be that great. Like if there are some of them, at least that's how it was when I was growing up. Yeah, good oil. Yes, clean oil. Yeah, that's uh, it's not hard to make it good. Uh good batter or breading but don't you mostly just buy pre-made like cisco like food provider stuff like from, i don't know from a wholesaler i've never been involved in working it's not like there's fry. women back there like battering the fish i'm actually I shocked i bet there are <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked that you haven't been involved i mean we in did that at long just silvers we we battered it there but <laughs> did you really yeah you dunked it in the batter and then in the fryer. I feel like you could Shocked. be a fish fry consultant. Like people would hire you to come in and <laughs> and do like a There's some really good kitchen. ones. <laughs> uh, well, what are, what are the must have sides on a fish fry? Well, I don't eat it, but there's always halushki. Mm-hmm. Pierogies a lot of times, mac and cheese, coleslaw, fries. That's those, a, that's those, a Pittsburgh fish fry. Those right are the there. staples. Yeah. 
But do you like bread, breaded? Do you like battered? Do you want shrimp? Do you want Ooh. clams? Do you want clams? Lobster rolls. I think there's a place in Get Carnegie that. that has lobster rolls. What kind of fancy, fancy schmancy place is that? What? No, they have lobster bisque. That's it. The Hibernian Club, mm. which I think won the thing last year. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why. You got lobster bisque for crying out loud. A little extra in there. When I was coming up, it was a big thing of coleslaw, french fries, and your yeah, sandwich. Yeah, piece of cod. Yeah, huge piece of cod on a tiny bun. Yeah. Remember that fish sandwich? <laughs> you, have to eat, you have to eat like four bites before you get to the end of the bun. <laughs> At to <least>. like, <laughs> And then turn it around. <laughs> Remember that piece of, uh, or that sandwich I got at, where was it? I still have a picture the Union of it. Grill? We were at the Union Grill after, uh, after the services at Tree of Life. And Bill and I went to get lunch afterwards. And there was, <laughs> Bill, Bill ordered this fish taco. It was a fish taco. It came out on two plates. It I was, was like, like what did I just order? I think the guy that caught it brought it to him. <laughs> like, is this a Marlin? What is this? <laughs> it was enormous. I never understand that when people give you things that are too big to eat. Yeah. Here you go. Doesn't that look cool? Like, no, now I have to fold it over three times. The only times. good thing, why well, you can cut it in half and take it home for a, a sandwich tomorrow. I oh. just can't do the reheated fish baked or yeah mm. can't do it i do it Doesn't with meat me. fish i can't fish is if it's not if i didn't eat it it ain't getting eaten <laughs> well there's dry january there's veganuary and now there's january a woman in england has launched a campaign that encourages women to grow out their body hair for the month of january 21 year old laura jackson is a drama student at exeter university she said she came up with the idea after growing out her own hair for a performance she said though i felt liberated and more confident in myself some people around me didn't understand or agree with why i didn't shave i realized there's still so much more for us to do to be able to accept one another fully and truly Women from all over the world are reportedly taking part in the January campaign with money being raised for Body Gossip, a charity that educates young people about body image. Teachers are fed up and saying, I quit. New government data shows teachers and other public education employees are quitting their jobs at the highest rates on record. Among the reasons, low pay, lousy working conditions, and a good job market are seeing teachers decide to take their skills elsewhere. Also, I think parents are a-holes at unprecedented levels. Yes. And I, I think so the helicopter kids. parenting <laughs> Why are you guys has... be both making eye contact with me? <laughs> no, I think, well, because you, you are around more parents than she and I are. Yeah. Like modern day parents. My parents did not come to my school unless they were told to come to the school. Yeah. And now right. I think there are parents who walk into class and say, can I have a word? And oh, when yeah. we were growing up, for everything. the parents who went had to get had to go to the school said to the kid, "What are you an idiot? What's the matter with you? Now you say all the parents the adults, say that to the teachers right, and all, administrators. All the adults were on the same page. Yeah. And the enemy was a common enemy. It was the kids. Yeah, right. I mean, I used to give my parents a permission slip for the school to yeah. beat me up. Yeah, me too. And <laughs> my parents go. always mom, said yes. Mom, dad, will you sign this thing so they can smack me around if I act up? They're like, you bet your ass I will. Did that happen in your... Because you're younger than the two of us. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't happen like that. Like, no, the teachers couldn't put your hands on... 
the students. Oh my god! Um, and actually, going oh, to yeah. Risenstein Middle School, like the students were beating up the teachers. <laughs> yeah, a little. The different. lights would go yeah. out, and then a teacher would be like, "Ah, I just got hit with a book. God, those books are heavy. Who threw that?" It's like the movie Harold? The Principal. Was that or... you? Fairies time. Was that Taylin? Where are you? I'm down. I'm hurt. I got jacked up into a locker my first day of high school by a priest because my tie was wasn't pushed all the way up. Wow. And I'm like, this is like a movie. Yeah, that's not okay. And I got spanked once in uh, um, grade school. I got sent to the office once, but I didn't get spanked. For criticizing the fish sandwich? <laughs> no, but it was at lunch, and I said, up your nose with a rubber hose. And the <laughs> <laughs> Come on, now. the lunch lady thought about? I was talking to her. Oh, my God. So that I got was sent a little to the rascal. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you have to sit in detention with Lenny and Squiggy? <laughs> Val, she was like, I did call the kid on the uh, the playground a barf-encrusted jumbo jerk, and then <laughs> up your nose with a rubber hose. Well, was a big, I told uh... the lunch lady to sit on it. <laughs> See, yeah, what happened, she thought I was talking to her. What happened is um, we, we let these kids unionize, and now they just have way too much power. You can't do anything. <laughs> I know a lot of teachers, and the stories I've heard, I would never in a million years want to be a teacher. It, again, I think it's mostly because of the parents. Yes. Teachers are the best. And Emails. what they've taught their kids to well, that. do and allow mm-hmm. and disobey. and See, we go to a good school now where the teachers <laughs> give my kids like so much homework that it requires the parents to be involved. And we have to sign off like we, yeah. you know, we help them with this homework. And it just creates a nice... Um, a nice balance, but also I feel like I'm being shamed by the teachers. Like, <laughs> like I have to come up with excuses. Like, look, I've, I had a busy week last week. I don't know. I, I didn't see it. Okay, sorry. I know there's a side of the folder that says keep at home and a side that says bring back to school. But maybe I, I'm sorry I didn't empty the keep at home. Sorry. <laughs> Leave me alone. But anyways, teachers are quitting in record numbers. Yes, and there's little. Uh, wonder as to why yeah an oregon man has filed a lawsuit against burger king after the fast food chain didn't hold up their end of a promise of free meals for life 50 year old curtis bruner is seeking nine thousand twenty six dollars and 16 cents which he estimates to be the cost of one whopper meal a week for the next 22 years last year bruner a regular burger king customer used the bathroom at his favorite local restaurant and got locked in the bathroom for more than an hour when employees told him to try using a fly swatter to pry the door open somehow he ended up cutting himself so burger king offered him free food for life as a settlement but he says after getting just a few free meals he was denied and told the deal was revoked by a district manager <laughs> Bruner is asking that Burger King reinstate the free meal agreement or pay the damages sought in the lawsuit. It doesn't seem, I don't think he should have been locked in the bathroom, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't seem commensurate with an hour in a bathroom versus free food for life. Yeah, that's a lot. Maybe free food for a year. Well, he got injured. Because he's with a fly swatter. But how bad? What what are we talking about here? It must not have been bad enough for him to consider suing them, so. 
I, I wouldn't want to spend an hour in a bathroom, in a Burger King bathroom, even if it was getting busy. Well, but, yeah, what what if you were getting busy in there? <laughs> with Tony Dungy? <laughs> Do the Humpty Hump. I'm Tony Dungy, former lead singer of Digital Underground. The woman who inspired Greta Van Fleet's name is not a fan of the type of music the Michigan Quartet makes. Gretna Van Fleet, an 88-year-old retired office manager, tells the Detroit Free Press... It's not my favorite music, and the boys know that, but I think they're very talented, and I support them. I didn't think it would last long. They wouldn't hang on to this crazy name. Gretna is a musician herself who plays the violin, the dulcimer, and drums. She's 88. She's become a bit of a celebrity in her town of Frankenmuth, Michigan, because of the band. She said, every day out in town, somebody stops me. People are excited to meet me. It's amazing how many friends I have now. It's been incredible. The family are supportive, and they think it's fun. Increasing clouds, low 40s for the high today. It's 32 at DVE. Well, uh, the the Steelers weren't playing yesterday, and if you're like me, you watched the Chargers-Ravens game, and you thought, we could beat both of these guys. Mm-hmm. I know their defenses are good, but my God. Just so PO'd that we weren't there. But watching the games all weekend long, um, last night was really the one between the Bears and the Eagles that was the real nail-biter of all of them. You know, Ooh. the Chargers game they 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 made that closer than they probably should have allowed it to be right Uh, but lamar jackson had a big fourth quarter and the ravens were able to pull close but uh, they just couldn't get it done um but in the bears game (laughs) i mean that the last few minutes of that game were unbelievable nick Foles leads them down for a touchdown the bears and i didn't really agree with the way that that, uh, they were using the timeouts there but uh the bears get the ball back they get into field goal range and after their kicker has hit the upright like five, six times already this season. And they were talking about it. Uh, Peterson ices the kicker. He makes the ice kick. That happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And the next kick ends up hitting the upright and then the crossbar and then falling into the end zone. Now, it was later revealed that it was tipped, but it doesn't matter because Cody Parkey, the kicker of the Bears, is he might escape Bartman status in Chicago <laughs> once the news of the ball being tipped is widely accepted. But even then, someone will come up with a reason. We didn't kick it high enough, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of Chicago fans have had a problem with him for the full season. Mm-hmm. Really, and, and that's really what's going to doom him here because yeah. he was the second worst kicker in it's, the it's, league. It's a body of work. And they got rid of Robbie Gould, who was like... Lights out. Yeah. Um. So here was the ESPN Deportes call of the missed field goal in Chicago. 43 yardas. El snap. Le mete el pie. Distancia, dirección. Le dio el poste. No, falló. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. Los hijos se van con la victoria. Well, we knew that caravan was going to get here sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a torture scene from Narcos. <laughs> Chicago, Chicago. It's the worst musical ever. Cody Parkey. Hey, he faced the music afterwards. Sure. I heard the whistle. I know it was a practice kick, but yeah, I, I struck a good ball there, and 
Unfortunately, I mean, I, I can't make this up. I hit the post, what, six times this year, and I hit it twice on that one. How about the, the upright and then the crossbar? Like I said, I mean, I, you can't make this up. I mean, I, I feel terrible. Let the team down. Um, that's on me. So I have to own it. I have to be a man. And, you know, it's unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, that's the way it, it went today. I think they needed to call a t- uh, the timeouts they screwed up. When they got that big completion, the Trubisky uh, to, uh, I don't remember who it was, they caught it. Mm-hmm. They, they should have just run up and spiked it there instead of calling a timeout right. halfway up the field. Like, you know, I they agree. didn't decide to do it right away. And then you can, you know, throw the ball in the middle of the field. Right. Move line him way closer, line it up. Yeah, I think they screwed that up, but uh, I don't see. I don't think that's how Bears fans will see it. I don't know what you do after that. After missing that kind of kick, like, can that guy live in Chicago no. anymore? No, I w- I mean, you can't go out anywhere. It's Grubhub no. for at least a month. No, and I, I think they did one of those thirty for thirties on or something of that ilk on Scott Norwood after he missed up in Buffalo. Uh, it's like Good you know Bill Lord. Buckner. The, there are yeah. some goats who you just will never live it down. Even though that was a first round playoff game, it was just big for the Bears. They finally seem to be headed in the right direction after right. so many years. Killer defense, and then you know when a kicker lets you down like that, it's well. Look, the Steelers are no stranger to having their kicker fail them this year. Boswell, after having a year in which he propelled them to a thirteen and three record, this year was the reason. Part of uh, the reason they missed the playoffs. He makes a couple of kicks, either Oakland, Cleveland, just right. w- somewhere. Pick one of them. It's a different game. Uh, Mike has a full sports report when we come back. National championship is tonight as well. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN 815 on the latest Mort report from ESPN about the Steelers now um, more likely to deal AB than not, according to his report. I still don't see this happening. I really don't. I have a hard time believing the Steelers are going to let go of Antonio Brown. As ugly as this all sounds right now, and as much as the talking heads keep kicking up dust, I really have a hard time believing that Ben restructures his contract in such a way that they make up for a $21 million cap hit. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea how this is going to play out. Jeremy Fowler hopefully shed some light for us at 8.15. DVE Sports. Mike, proceeding with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Let's start with the NFL, uh, specifically yesterday's wild card weekend action. Chargers 23, <laughs> Ravens 17, and then Eagles 16, Bears 15. I thoroughly enjoyed every minute of both of those games. I might be in a little different spot because I don't get to sit around and just watch a lot. First half of the Chargers-Ravens was not fun. Well, Second half was, was, was pretty fun to watch. I guess most people wouldn't be into the nuances of uh, how you defend the read option, and uh, I was really curious to see how the Chargers would defend that a second time after having played the Ravens a couple weeks ago, and, and Baltimore had great success, and Lamar Jackson in that running game had been running over everybody. This was the first time they had to play a team a second time, and the Chargers came up with a 7 DBs look and really had them completely throttled for uh, three and a half quarters, but Baltimore able to put on a, a push late and get the ball back late and have a chance to steal the game and uh, didn't work out, but uh, John Harbaugh, the head coach afterward, he stuck with Lamar Jackson the entire time and uh, he said afterward that uh, he's going to continue to stick with Lamar Jackson and that Joe Flacco's time in Baltimore has come to an end. I mean, Lamar's our quarterback going forward. There's no question about that. Um, Joe Flacco is going to play really well in this league. Joe can still play. I think we saw that the first half of the season. Um, Joe's going to have a market. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to want Joe. 
because they understand that. And um, and I and I'll I'll be I'll be in Joe's corner wherever he's at, you know, unless we play him. He's uh, he's he's special. I mean, Joe Flacco is a great talent. He's an even better person. He's one of the best. He's, he's the best quarterback in the history of the Ravens, without question. Yeah, wow. that's uh, quite How about the eulogy that for post game. Yeah, didn't even wait till the season ending press conference. He could have just kind of alluded that. Yeah, I mean, it's been trending that way. He spelled it all the way yeah. out though. Lamar Jackson in the first half was two of eight for seventeen yards, sacked once, intercepted once. His passer rating was a Blutarski-esque 0.0. Harbaugh stuck with him the entire way, and they came back, scored a couple TDs in the fourth quarter, got the ball back late, and uh, Jackson ended up having it knocked out of his hands, and uh, the Chargers recovered. Great defensive play there. He winds up 14-29 for 194 yards. Two touchdowns, an interception, and a pretty respectable 78.8 pass rating for his first career playoff game. Uh, That guy's intriguing. And I'm just not sure it's going to work past the uh, the novelty of it. I mean, he's eventually going to have to beat people with his arm in this league. He will, but I think he's got the skill to do that. Uh, they have to develop that, and he's got to work on that. But I think he can be that guy. And just the the athletic ability and his his threat as a runner and his he got sacked seven times. Uh, a guy without his elusiveness might have got sacked 15 times. Yeah, I, I mean, think he, that that's what people are forgetting about Flacco yesterday is that he he would have been was a sitting duck just crushed. Yeah. Melvin Ingram had seven solo tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. I just wanted to see Flacco Crazy. go in as a Steeler fan just to create controversy within the Ravens' ranks. I wanted there to be dissension. Yeah. Since we have our own soap opera, I wanted they to have, you know the Ravens to have their own. They apparently cleared that up. Maybe that was... Uh... What Harbaugh had in mind all along. I think that was more. I think that was uh, he's trying to. uh, That's that's pro Harbaugh PR. In in this year, where his job had been talked about, and whether or not there'd be a future for him in Baltimore, I think he's trying to set the uh, the message for Ravens fans. I'm going forward with this guy. This is my guy. Here's who I'm tied to. I'm not tied to the past. I'm tied to the future. And Flacco was his guy. The year they hired him is the year they drafted Joe Flacco. And so I thought that... They've won a Super Bowl again. The reason he didn't wait is because he wanted the narrative to be right away. They're moving forward with uh, Lamar. And that means I'm I'm with this guy. I think that guy's pretty good. Jackson, uh, I'm with Bill though. Yeah, you you have to uh, you got to be able to throw the ball in the NFL. I, I think he will be able to. The, the big question will be if it comes to it. And I'm certainly not wishing this on anyone, but a lot of times when these guys end up having a surgery, then they don't run so much, right? And I do think a big part of his game is the dual threat aspect of it. Well, a guy sitting just down the bench from him can tell him all about that. RG three's on the roster. Yeah. So he could be like, hey, you know, uh, running in the NFL is fun for a little bit until the guys start to catch up with you. Uh, or you get crushed in the pocket or something. You know, it could happen when he's not running. But mm-hmm. Harbaugh pulled the Mike Tomlin with the onside kick, though, I think. Yeah. I think he got a little ahead of himself. There was six minutes and change left, and he tried it. And this, I think uh, they said on the broadcast, 8% of onside kicks had been recovered mm-hmm. by the kicking team this year. I think at that point you're pretty sure that the Chargers are just going to run the ball and eat clock and you've got the defense to get a three and out. 
I'd have tried kicking it deep there. He didn't, and what that ended up doing was costing them time because they lost field position, and it took them longer to get the next touchdown, and they couldn't score that next touchdown. They had to use one of their timeouts on the drive, and then they couldn't get that next touchdown before the two-minute warning. So they got in a position, instead of getting the ball back with about a minute left, they got it back, or, or with about two minutes left, they got it back with under a minute left, and that was kind of desperation city, and it didn't work out. Didn't work out for the Bears either. They had a 43-yard field goal attempt to win it, and uh, Cody Parkey, uh, the ball, as we found out subsequently, was tipped. It hit the left upright. It hit the crossbar. Trey Hester tipped it. Penn Hills. Did not go through, and uh, Bears lose. Here's Cody Parkey. There's really no answer to it. I thought I had a good ball, and unfortunately, uh, I just I didn't make it. I, mean, I feel terrible, and um, I 100% take that loss on me, and it is what it is. But, I mean, life's, the sun's going to shine tomorrow. Life's going to go on, and unfortunately, it's going to sting for a while. I thought Matt Nagy wasted a timeout after the big completion. When they're running up the field, he waits like seven seconds and then calls it. And then they line up. If you save that timeout, throw the ball down the middle of the field, get your kicker set with a short field goal, you might have been better in a better situation there. Who knows? You might have still hit it. Yep, yeah, right. That dude was like magnet to that thing. <laughs> You're talking about uh, they, the Bears took their last timeout, second and 10 from the Chicago 42 with 44 seconds left. 25-yard gain. If they would have run up to the line and spiked it there. They got the timeout at uh, 35. So it took nine seconds for them to get the completion and then call timeout. If they run up and spike it there and hold that timeout, I think you're in a better situation to set yourself up for a field goal because as it was, they they didn't have any timeouts left after that. No, and they actually ran a play... With 15 seconds left, which I, which I thought was that was risky, ri- a little risky. They threw what a ball, that, and it was a th- right down the middle. Threw a ball in the end zone, yeah. and uh, didn't get it. And so then they tried the field goal and didn't get that either. A heartbreaker because he makes it, they ice him, and then ah, oh, he double doink it. Love seeing a Notre Dame guy beat Chicago too. The whole city is like Notre Dame is there. Penn State. Who's the Notre Dame guy that beat Chicago? Wasn't Golden Tate? Didn't he? Get oh the yeah, he got the winning touchdown. Yeah. yeah, I didn't necessarily think of him as winning the game, but he did get the winning touchdown. Uh, Colts uh, and Cowboys advanced on Saturday, so here's your lineup for this coming weekend: Colts at the Chiefs at four thirty-five, Cowboys at the Rams at eight fifteen, and then it's going to be uh, boys. This is a, a game that everybody I think wants to see: Chargers at Patriots one oh five. Philip Rivers going after his white whale. Mm-hmm. I think he gets him. He's never beaten Tom Brady. I think he gets him. I mean, this defense, they're definitely not going to have the hard time that they had in Baltimore against the Patriots defense. They're going to be able to run the ball. You would think. They're probably going to be able to throw it. The question is the Patriots are so much better at home, even this year. Uh, they're the Patriots. I know. I don't they're... know how you pick against the Patriots in Foxborough. E- Eagles at Saints at uh, 440 is the second game Sunday. Joey Porter's out as the Steelers' outside linebackers coach. Pens lose 5-3 to three to the Blackhawks. Their eight-game winning streak is history. And Derek Broussard not real sure how to handle that afterward. They hadn't lost in a while. 
I don't know. It's been it's been weird. Like we've been playing like so many games. We just we've just been like every second day like coming on the rink and play games and we're having fun. So I, I feel like um, you know we we're not counting wins or whatever and we just we just play and uh, it's just too bad. I feel like tonight we got a good chance to win and you know I felt like uh, you know we were up in the scores and uh, that team came back. They show a lot of character coming back in the game, but. Um, we're a good team. We're supposed to put those games away. Yeah, Pens were up 2-0 and 3-2, and they couldn't put that game away. Florida Tuesday night, 70s night. If the Penguins want to honor the tradition of the 70s, they should lose 9-1. to <laughs> Honor the uh, the 9 team last night, too. That was pretty cool. So, either, either that fitting or, that Cooney got a goal. Take a three-game set on lead over Florida and then let Florida win four in a row and blow the series up. 1975. I, I still haven't gotten over that. Over Macho Grande. 8-15. Jeremy Fowler will be joining us to talk about the latest Chris Mortensen report that says the Steelers are likely to deal A.B. before the $2 million bonus date, which is what, March 16th or something like that? 18th, I think. I I, I think the league year starts on the 13th, and that bonus kicks in on the 18th. I have a hard time believing any of this would happen, but uh, that seems to be where the national media thinks this story is trending. Stan Savin at 9 o'clock wraps up the season with a power hour of Steeler talk. And uh, Hamilton in Pittsburgh, all the rage, but if you can't afford to go see that, the Pittsburgh Hamilton Kings have an alternate for you. (laughs) That's coming up next. Hi, this is Antonio Brown of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're listening to Randy Bauman, the DVE Morning Show. Hey, fellas, the old lady on your nerves about going to see that Hamilton downtown. But you don't feel like shucking out half a G? To see a bunch of forefathers rapping in tights. Then call us. I'm Tim Kabaki. And I'm his cousin Charles. But you, you might know us better as the, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Hamilton, Hamilton Kings. Kings. No, we don't have actual Hamilton tickets to scout. Or a pirated video of the performance to sell you. We tried hiding a GoPro on Cousin Dennis, but they took his top hat at the door. But we have staged a recreation of the overpriced hip-hop musical. With just enough differences to avoid being sued for copyright infringement. Probably. Yeah, probably not, but still. Which is bullcrap. Because how can you see someone... For something based on history. Not exactly how our forefathers envisioned it. Kind of ironic. Don't you think, Alanis? In our version of Hamilton. Titled Hamilton with a D. The protagonist is Ben Hamilton. And his arch nemesis is Antonio Burr. Or A.B. as he's known throughout our delightful romp. With the future of our country getting into the playoffs at stake. Ben and A.B. try to settle their differences with a duel. Only A.B. don't show up for the duel. And we trade him to another country. Even though it's going to be a lot harder for us to attack other countries from now on. Country's better off without that royal pain in the ass. You know what I mean? Staged at the historic Finleyville Moose Lodge. And directed by our cousin. Thanks. With Hamilton-style rap lyrics by Billy Rachel Nardozzi. Starring a guy that looks just like Pittsburgh dad is Ben Hamilton. And legendary Pittsburgh actor Tom Atkins is Antonio Burr. Don't throw away your shot at witnessing Hamilton. With a D. Before we get a cease and desist letter from Lynn Manuel Manuel Miranda. Such ironicness. Miranda doesn't want us to have rights. Build that wall. Dunce. He's from Puerto Rico. 
Iceman around the Moose Club so the lawyers can't get in. The Pittsburgh Hamilton Kings. Yeans guys will love us. TV morning show. Saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. Steve Lukather did uh, some of the sessions there. Toto's guitar player. Um, Don Hanley, the boys of summer. It's the DVE morning show. AB, the saga continues. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN 815 on his uh, co-worker, Chris Mortensen's report that it is highly likely the Steelers deal Antonio Brown before he's due that $2 million bonus coming up in March. We'll, uh, we'll pry him a little bit on that one. Drew Rosenhaus mm. was uh, interviewed. AB's agent on uh, something called Sports Extra. And uh, he basically said, Antonio's had a Hall of Fame career there and will be ready for whatever happens next. So leaving himself open for that opportunity there. Uh-oh. Uh, Stan Savard in the 9 o'clock hour wrapping up the year that was and stands on fire. Boy, Stan, this whole situation seems to have brought out the best in a lot of our <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh sports luminaries. Stan, I agree. Stan certainly among them. I mean, this is cocaine for Madden. Mark Madden is on a cocaine binge, like the sports equivalent of it. Yes. He just is nonstop. He's the scarface of this whole situation. <laughs> Val's got news coming up for you when we return. Is screen dipping ruining your relationships? I'll tell you what that is. All right. That's on the way for you, DV. I got jacked up into a locker my first day of high school by a priest because my tie was, wasn't pushed all the way up. Wow. And I'm like, this is like a movie. I got sent to the office once, but I didn't get spanked. For criticizing the fish sandwich? (laughs) No, but it was at lunch, and I said, up your nose with a rubber hose. (laughs) (laughs) The lunch lady thought I was talking to her. Oh, my God. So I got sent to the office. (laughs) (laughs) Did did you have to sit in detention with Lenny and Squiggy? (laughs) Val, she was like, I did call the kid on the uh, the playground a barf encrusted jumbo jerk, and then <laughs> up your nose with a rubber hose. Well, was a big, I told uh... the lunch lady to sit on it. Andy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, and that's why you just don't want to be a teacher anymore. That was about a story uh, claiming teachers were falling off at record rates, mm-hmm. and everybody was quitting the profession. It makes perfect sense to me. Your mama was a snowblower. <laughs> I, I miss Val. That, that That is just an amazing story. She has all insults from like Frank Capra movies. <laughs> well, that was uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. It was a simpler time. Oh, was that Welcome Back, Cotter? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. No, that was Welcome Back, Cotter. Travolta. Up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> <laughs> the one I always thought was quizzical was Happy Days. Sit on it. Sit on it. <laughs> that was it. And, and it was an applause line. People would be like, yeah, yeah, sick burn. Sit on it. On what? Your thumb? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, AB will be uh, sitting on the uh, Steelers bench going forward. And uh, horrible transition. Jeremy Fowler, <laughs> 815. Stan Saver, 9 a.m. Both will address that situation. His agent, Drew Rosenhass has uh, made a statement about it, apparently, uh, and reacted to it. We'll uh, play that for you here in just a little bit. Also, the Pens celebrating the 09 team last night in the flurry. When his picture came on the Jumbotron, apparently, the ovation was so overwhelming, nobody actually heard what he said. (laughs) 
Oh, so we'll have that audio it. for you we, a little bit later on. We miss him still. Oh, everyone loves him. He's, you know. Why isn't there a flurry statue yet? <laughs> Hat on backwards. <laughs> or like a, the the Franco statue that's at the, at the airport. Have mm-hmm. one of flurry that's like animatronic. Going, hello? 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 <laughs> what do you have, Al? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Two degrees at DVE, the news is brought to us by Golden Oak Lending. Psychologists have discovered the best strategy for career success is to, and this doesn't seem to make sense to me, but overpromise and underdeliver. Hmm. That does fly in the face of the idea of underpromising and overdelivering. It might feel better to overachieve, but research suggests you will get farther in your career faster if you raise great expectations and make yourself seem more competent, even if you can't deliver in the end. Yeah, just talk a good game. Apparently, that's all it takes. Don't have to deliver on it. You could rule the free world. (laughs) (laughs) If you were on the fence about visiting a theme park this year, here's some good news that might inspire you to go. For all of 2019, every customer over the age of 21 will receive two free beers every time they visit Busch Gardens Theme Park in Florida. Promotion kicks off the year of beer as part of the park's 60th anniversary celebration. I don't know. I just never associate going to a theme park and drinking beer. Not if there's rides involved. Right. Like Epcot, one of the great joys of Epcot is drinking around the world. Yeah, that sounds cool, but there's not a ton of rides at that park. No, that's what I'm saying. It's more about the attractions, and you're just going to see stuff. So it doesn't matter if you're getting blasted, but if you're at Busch Gardens... You're throwing up an IPA on the double yeah, loop. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to chug a beer and then go on the pirate ship. I threw up at the uh, Waldemere uh, um, pirate ship thing back mm. in the day. It was an all day like party for this uh, for the bar up there, and uh, bands were playing all day, and we were drinking tons of beer, and maybe there were other things. And then uh, I got on the pirate ship thing that goes back and forth, and I did not want to be in it. And uh, I was found myself in it. And then I'm like, why, why am why, I in this why thing? Why are we in this? And then it started, and I made it all the way to the end. And then right when it stopped, and it just did that hanging in the air thing, yeah. my stomach just dropped. Like, all the beer I drank just came flying out of me. Did you throw up on everybody sitting no, on the so my, my uh, centrifugal force that hit you in the face. My buddy Jackson was sitting next to me. And, like, your body, I don't know, at least mine anyways, you don't want to throw up on yourself. <laughs> Do you want to throw up on someone else? You just want to throw up away from you. And so I turned toward I threw up like down on his like knee and stuff. And he just starts punching me. He's like, get off, get off. And there were these two poor, you know, little girls who were sitting in the seat next to in front of us Mm -hmm. in like those bench seats. And I'll never forget. They just go, ew, beer. It just (laughs) smelled like (laughs) so much beer. And I, I closed the ride down. It was a really oh, low, low that point. that was epic. I was 20 years old, but yeah, it was not a... Wheelbarrow of sawdust gets brought in. All of that. <laughs> all of that. My brother came in laughing, like crying from laughing. He's like, I just ra- rode the Sky Coaster thing. And he's like, and they looked down and they were throwing buckets of water on the pirate ship. <laughs> it was disgraced. Disgraced at Waldemere. <laughs> Still a lot of Kennywood, though. The herpes-infested monkey population is exploding in Florida. Officials say the monkeys that live in Silver Spring State Park carry a herpes virus that's deadly to humans. 
And that monkey population could double in the next few years. The monkeys were brought to Central Florida in the 30s as part of an animal park. And from the article, it seems like they just turned them loose when the animal park shut down. Too much free love. The monkeys have been seen in populated areas and in one instance was caught on camera being aggressive with people at a picnic. The deadly virus can spread to humans through a scratch or a bite and... It can be deadly. It causes a devastating brain disease that, if left untreated, is deadly in about 70% of its victims. So if you see a monkey with Carmax or anything like that, just steer clear. <laughs> if you see a monkey on a bike or kayaking, it's clearly on Valtrex. <laughs> yeah, Stay and, away. And, and you gotta, you, you got to know that herpes is not a deal breaker for monkeys. You know, that doesn't stop them. Oh, Don't like, ask, do You have tell. herpes? Cool. So do I. That story had a link to it, and I clicked it. It talked about the origin of herpes and how it started. And how did it start, Randy? Uh, I'll read herpes the article. Start? I'll make it um, spoiler less. Alert. Well, not graphic. spoiler alert. Yeah, less graphic. Uh, it, it, cannibalism. Oh, oh that's wow. how it, it started. Oh, I wasn't yeah, thinking that. It started due to cannibalism. There was huh. like some sort of Neanderthal that that had uh, eaten one of those monkeys. And yeah. and then another person ate that person. Wow. Yeah, that's how it started. That's crazy. Hmm. I mean, that's what the article said, and it was on the internet. So <laughs> t- take it right to the bank. It's the gospel truth. Yeah. Is screen dipping causing problems in your relationship? I bet it is. It's an all-too-familiar scenario. You and your significant other decide to get together on the couch, watch a movie together, then you notice he or she keeps looking at their phone. That is screen dipping. Oh, man, I get or the act of dipping out of one screen and onto another screen like your phone. It's basically the screen version of fubbing or snubbing someone in favor of your phone. Fubbing? Fubbing. Why what are you is... doing in there? I'm fubbing. <laughs> Stop it. Why is screen dipping bad for your relationship? Stop fubbing on the couch. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. It's uh, just like fubbing. Screen dipping basically says you're choosing your phone over the person you're with. And according to the study, choosing your phone over your partner leads to more fights and less satisfaction with your relationship. Yeah, that that is a big problem. And a lot of people have it. Like, I, you know, you, you're not even, I don't even think it's conscious at this point. Like, mm. you, you look at your phone more than you would ever realize. Oh, it's bad. I always get, so you don't like this? I'm like, no, I, I like it. I just can't stop looking at the phone. You know, I got to make sure the world didn't blow up. I gotta just scroll through Twitter so I don't have a panic attack in the middle of this movie. Yeah, my kids have been shaming me about the phone usage. I love so that. I've I've really tried to nip it in the bud and mm-hmm. get off my device because I got them both devices for Christmas. And so now it's... Oh, I learned it from watching you. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's Do you bad. have a designated no screen time time period? Yeah, we're still like kind of flushing or... that out, like figuring out how we're going to do the screen time thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I had to shut it down almost instantly when my daughter was texting me like 17 times and sitting next to me on the couch. <laughs> it's I love you, Dad. First. How are you, Dad? Dad, are you there? I'm like, I'm sitting right next to you. Yeah. Give me your iPad right now. <laughs> It's kind of cute at first. For the first, you know, six minutes. Following the news at the end of last month that British singer Robbie Williams will be allowed to renovate his London home despite objections by his neighbor Jimmy Page. I object. 
came the latest gem, which has since been debunked. It was reported that on December 30th, somebody contacted the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea to claim that Williams put on a blonde wig and stuffed a pillow under his shirt in an effort to piss off Jimmy Page by prancing around like Robert Plant. <laughs> Added to this were claims that Williams has been blasting music by Black Sabbath, Pink Floyd, and Deep Purple, (laughs) also in an effort to uh, make Jimmy upset. While it does make for good headlines, apparently it's all untrue. Damn it. Hello. Is this but it the is Royal fun. Borough of Kensington? Now, you got to play Jethro Tull if you want to piss off Jimmy Page. That was the band he always hated. He called him Jethro Dull. <laughs> I really want to see a documentary about the rivalry between these two. Uh, it is amazing. Jimmy Page will not come off looking good in it. it. Even if he's right, and by the way, I think he's probably 100% right. This is his property, and Robbie Williams is just, you know, he, he's not sticking to, to the integrity of the original architecture of the of the area and he's building this big enormo dome mansion on a mansion what i'm not allowed to build a squash court in my house i can't have a my own resort in this neighborhood so i bet jimmy page is right but it's just such a it's just such a a bad look tough hill to die on yeah uh the tom petty and the heartbreakers collection the best of everything has been pushed back yet again this time from february 1st to march 1st and finally, David Lee Roth says those tattoos that cover his back and his chest, because he got all tatted up yeah. like well after the Van Halen days, uh, cost him close to $90,000. They're so bad. I mean, it, it honestly looks like he has a Tom Hardy vest on. But Have now you seen he's, it? he's no, got it like, a... It's really But are they bad. all like time like sensitive to are they like bozily bozily bop and like yankee rose <laughs> like he's swinging on a vine <laughs> dude it, you got to see a picture of it it doesn't isn't it look a, real isn't it like a phoenix or something you know those fake sleeves that people get with mm-hmm. the tattoos it looks like that that's bad and he now has a skin line of uh tattoo removal well, no it's to <laughs> care for care for your tattoos should be tattoo removal <laughs> yeah that'd be a great one uh, forecast today, increasing clouds, low 40s for the high. It is 32 at DVE. AB's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, went on a South Florida Sports Extra program and had this to say. Your client, Antonio Brown with the Steelers, didn't play in the last game. You tried to smooth things over with the club. There was news today in Pittsburgh that said that the Steelers will listen to offers. Is AB done in Pittsburgh? I'm just going to say that Antonio is a great, great player. No question. A tremendous competitor, a great teammate. And whatever happens this offseason, we'll make the best of it. Um, I don't have any particular comment about what the Steelers may or may not do. Uh-huh. Antonio has uh, had a Hall of Fame career there. And we'll be ready for whatever happens next. Okay. Well, joining us right now from ESPN, Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy, good morning. How are you, man? Hey, good morning, gang. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks thanks for joining us. The AB saga is uh, the national media and the local media seem to have a little different narrative of what's going on, or at least the timeline with which things will be decided. Your uh, ESPN cohort, Chris Mortensen, reporting, there's a high probability Antonio Brown will be traded before March 17th. Now, what is the main factor that leads him to believe that that will be the case? Well, so the the fifth day of the new league year, which which starts always around mid-March, Brown is due a $2.5 million 
roster bonus. So there are a lot of implications with that beyond having to pay him the money if he's still on the roster. Of course, that'd be incentive to, to move on if you are going to do it before that time. Uh, but you can not only save on that salary cap if you cut him or trade him, then you can also um, you can designate him as it's, it gets technical, but you can designate him as like a post June one release. If, if you do release him, which, you know, you would save a lot of cap space that way, or if you just want draft picks for him, uh, it just creates urgency to get it done by mid-March. It's, it's good business to do it if you're going to do it by then. Anyways, it's before the draft, so you can get some picks potentially for this season. And really, you know, you can't replace Antonio Brown talent-wise, but you can at least try to get another receiver high in the draft. Yeah, or at least you know what you're going to go after in free agency then, too. You, you know how many picks you have and – you know what you can sign and then you can draft accordingly yeah no doubt and this might be the year where they, they have they're starting out right now with with some cap space or at least more than, than they usually had i forget the exact number i think the last i looked it was maybe 18 or so but you know ryan shazier's 8.7 million dollars that will come off the books you got a few other moves you could make if brown comes off the books that that you know you take on a lot of what's called dead money but at least you would you could pretty much break even. It would be a wash for now, and you could go out and try to do something. Do they see the 14-5 they say from Le'Veon Bell as part of the um, sort of ameliorating that whole cost there in their minds? Like, if it's $20 million, you're going to lose on AB. Well, 14 and a half of that we would have spent on Lev, but now we, uh, we're happy with the two-headed monster Jalen Samuels and uh, James uh, Conner seem to be uh, creating. Yeah, you can certainly look at it that way for sure. And I think they started to during the year because once Bell, you know, they had to designate for Bell, but then each week he didn't show up. You got that 855000 or whatever it was back onto your book. So that's nice to have. Now, would they have rather an all-pro running back and not have to deal with all this? Certainly. Um, but at least, yeah, you, you can certainly budget for that. You don't have to pay him. You don't have to pay Ryan Shazier. And perhaps you don't have to pay Antonio Brown. At least, you know, that you, we could see a more active Steelers team in free agency than we have in the past. Now, now maybe that's naive to say because typically the teams like the Patriots and, and Steelers haven't really spent. Packers is one. Um, but it might be a little bit of a different era. The salary cap gets higher and higher um, and they've tried to spend on maybe some, some second-tier free agents. It's worked out okay, you know. Um, Morgan Burnett kind of maybe flashed a little bit at the end of the year. He was their big signing last year, but mm-hmm. at some point you got to go try to spend, get a, get an inside linebacker, get some pieces you need. Jeremy, in Mike Tomlin's last press conference, uh, at one point he said that you know Brown was going to be dealt with. It was it was a, a serious transgression. There would be subsequent discipline besides not playing him in that Bengals game. And he also did not refute the notion that Brown had quit on the team. Do you think yeah. Tomlin was kind of setting everybody up to accept that Brown wasn't going to be here next year, or do you think he was being sincere and saying, hey, here's what where we are. It's really bad, but we don't know how this is going to work out yet? Yeah, pr- probably a little bit of both. I mean, I, I did sense a guy who was who was tired of it, you know, who felt who felt burned. Now, we I, look, I mean, it's looking back into the Antonio Brown history, and I, I've actually in the last week spoken to, to several ex-teammates, and you know, they, they said, that, hey, Brown's a tireless worker and, and all the great things that he's done, you know about. But, you know, he got some star treatment and if he was late to a meeting or, it, it, you know, he probably get, he might get fined, but it wasn't the end of the world. Um, and everything was cool because they were winning games and Brown was, was doing what he did on the field. Um, but this is a little different. And as you remember, and think of your question, and he brought up the darkest hour we got left. 
by this yeah. guy. And I, I, it's, it seems like it did uh, pain him and that he's ready for, for whatever, you know. Um, and, and that probably at this point includes a, a trade possibility. From the players you've talked to, do you, do you get the sense that it's irreparable or it's just going to take some serious repair? Well, it'd probably take some repair. I, you know, one one thing that was brought up to me um, by a player who kind of you know witnessed all this stuff last week and and didn't, you know, there's some there's some uh, reports out there that Roethlisberger was was saying get this guy out of here and I don't have to throw you the ball ever and all this stuff and, and he said he didn't hear any of that, uh, but what he did point out is the, you know you don't get six straight hundred catch seasons without some level of of trust whether you know what. Uh, one person classified it as like a love-hate relationship that, that Brown and Roethlisberger have. Um, but they've always worked it out. Uh, and it's been a long time. They've been together, however, what is it, nine years now total? So um, based on that, you know, sort of recall that they have on the field um, and chemistry, you would think that, that if, they, if, you know, if they could just get together and talk, I, you know, I think Roethlisberger and Brown usually talk at some point, maybe not right now, but in the next month or two, um, and I have heard that Brown has, in some back channel way, has had some contact with the organization. I don't know if, it's, if he's talked to Tomlin yet, um, but Tomlin's got a lot invested in this guy too. I mean, it, it, he knows Brown on a very personal level and knows his story from what he's had to overcome as a young guy. So um, the bridge would have to be really, really burned to a crisp for them to move on. I think, and, and it seems like it's maybe moving that way. But you know, I even talked to an NFL GM in the league who said. I think they're going to work it out. I don't think he's going to be on the block at all, just because once things cool down, uh, I think the Steelers will realize that they have a you know they have a good situation with Brown, even though it's had its hiccups. And do you think Antonio Brown knows that he's better off with Ben Roethlisberger knowing his route idiosyncrasies? That's really the biggest and point. And he I would really come might to. not have the success if he goes and plays with Matthew Stafford or somebody else. Well, the, I I would think so. Um, and again, nobody's talked to Brown. Like, I, I, it's hard to know what Brown thinks. Like, I don't know that um, anybody really on the team knows truly where Brown's at right now. Uh, but I think um, he has a flamethrower in his hand. How could you interpret it any different when he's posting interviews on Instagram or teasing interviews with right. James Harrison, who's been one of the biggest detractors of the Steelers and, more importantly, Mike Tomlin? Right, but here's where I think maybe maybe it could be beyond repair. If week three and Sonia Brown's tweet, tweeting the trade me, let's find out to a former Steelers staffer. I know that he ended he had his statement about that and just said he was frustrated they lost and all that. But you don't you don't tweet that out if you're not curious about what you can do it with another team, good or bad. Um, so you know that to me was pretty significant. Looking back, um, everybody had their statement at the time, tried to kind of quell that fire, but. Uh, it could be something he wants at this point. You know, whether and and it, it would be it would be interesting to see how he would do with another team, right? Because um, Roethlisberger has known sort of how to how to deal with with Brown uh, and and a new quarterback might not. Yeah, I don't think either one is as good without the other. No, and that right, raises the a... question of which quarterback coach combo with cap space around the league wants to tackle this, because as talented as he is. It's a burden at the same time. You don't get him the ball, you're going to hear about it. I haven't talked to anybody yet, but if you put that New Orleans tape on, I think you're thinking as a personnel guy, I don't care about anything else. We'll make it work. Yeah. This guy's got the nicest rack at the dance. You know? (laughs) That's what I can't figure out about this whole thing. He's had this year from hell going back to OTAs when he melted down and uh, am I free and all that stuff at minicamp. 
That Saints game was as good as I've seen this guy play. Right. There's never, there hasn't been a drop-off. I mean, he's going to be 31 in July. He's got the huge contract. Maybe teams wouldn't want that. But, yeah, you, you put on the tape. Um, you know, I did ask one guy in the AFC who's sort of a personnel evaluator about the potential for a trade. He said, I, I think they will, and I hope so. Um, so I, you know, I think just based on a team that's maybe one piece away, you know, um, you figure you can make it work uh, unless you're just really worried about the distractions and, and maybe the upheaval that he would bring into a locker room. But uh, a lot of people, it's, it's weird because he's got these issues, but then a lot of people that have played with him or been around him, they swear by the guy. So they, he's the guy you want to hang out with. He's a really cool down to superstar. He's just got some of these issues that flare up. Um, so it, it's fascinating to see which team would want to take that on. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN.com. Jeremy, thank you, as always, for your time. We really appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Have have a great one. Okay, man, we'll see you. You know, Mike, uh, to continue your analogy, sure, he may be the most attractive at the dance, but if he goes home and kills your rabbit... It's not good. Not exactly. But you know how you get fooled, right? You think... Look at that rack. Uh, no, you think there's you can, a lot of crazy you can be the team that, that changes to, him, right? You, no, yeah. People talk I don't, themselves I into think stuff there's too the much time. history here, man. I think people are, they get it. It's fascinating. I, it's it, a, all it takes is one. Fa- I mean, it's a Faustian uh, bargain, so to speak. One team that thinks he's the missing link or one team that's desperate enough that they just need something to promote, something to sell, something to jumpstart them out of uh, mediocrity. Colts got a lot of cap space. Yeah, they do. Got a quarterback too, and they got a crazy ass owner. I who, think that who apparently had the over. Who had the over? He literally <laughs> scolded his team was for not hit, hitting the over on Saturday. Yeah. And Pete just, Rose can't get in the Hall of Fame. No, Come on. right. I don't think Ursay's getting in the Hall of Fame either. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Hall of Fame a pill taken. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Just talked with Jeremy Fowler from ESPN.com going over all of the plausible scenarios there for AB. I just, I don't see it ending with him in another uniform. As much as the acrimony seems to have bubbled over to the point of no return, I really don't think there's a better fit for him in the league than the Steelers and Drew Rosenhaus is going to do everything he can to convince Antonio Brown of that. Yeah, I certainly don't think it's a uh, done deal or there's no other option. Uh, a lot of people have had a knee-jerk reaction. I don't think the Steelers react that way historically. And, yeah, it's bad. I mean, there, there's there's a lot that's got to get explained and talked about and fixed, and I think some conditions would have to be put on the table and, and agreed upon, and then those would have to be agreed upon in a manner that's perceived as sincere. And I think, you know, that's we're a long way from where we are now to, to get to that point, but they do need each other. What has he shown you, though, in his actions just after the season stopped that would lead you to believe yeah. that he feels any kind of um, contriteness or, you know... Nothing, but I don't care. Yeah. He's I never going to He's never yeah. going to be contrite. The season, the, the next time it matters is going to be September. I don't care how he acts after the season. I've, I've even heard that people complaining that he wore a fur coat when he was on the sideline for the first half. I mean, when Joe Namath did it, it was cool as hell. Uh, that was just speaking more to the sort of you know narcissistic. Oh, he didn't have a Steeler hat and didn't have a Steeler jacket. Come on. Well, I mean, you're it's 2019. But yeah. context matters. I mean, he you know 
He was he skipped out on the team that, that, for that game. Right. That matters, not what he was wearing. But I, there, so much is being said about this from so many different places. I, I think it's really careening off the point. The point is he quit on his team. Mm-hmm. And for the biggest game of the year, he wasn't available because the team thought it would be better off without him that day than with him. Remember this, That's got to get fixed. When Joey Porter was a player, got kicked out before the game, and people were going, how, how can you put up with this crap, Cower? You know, I, that's I thing. do remember that. Yeah, I know that you in particular remember that. But there's you were asking that so question. much revisionist history. The people who are always like Cower would never let this kind of stuff happen. That is total BS. He let it happen all the time. There's a certain amount of stuff that you have to allow. Like yes, the, like Joey Porter got kicked out of a game before it started. Yeah, and Cower's answer to right. that was. This is the bad that comes with all the good that he brings. I need yep. him because he brings something beyond what he does yeah. on the field. It's a great analogy. He, he eliminated himself from participation. Yeah. What can you do worse than that if you play pro sports? Nothing. The first ability you have to have is availability, right? The right. Cliche. And that's where we are. With the, anything and everything that Antonio Brown did up to the Bengals game, he was always there for him on Sunday when he was healthy. By the and way, he was always great, and I still that that Saints game was remarkable. It was just magnificent. How but, did it get from that to the next week? Well, that's how that's how combustible he is yeah. as a personality. I mean, I think there's you know you could armchair psychologist psychologist this one and uh, find all kinds of reasons why this is uh, a more deep seated issue than him just being upset about yeah. what's happening with him on that team. I think it's got to be, you know, he, we never heard what we heard from him back in minicamp, am I really free and all that. And, you know, to my knowledge, he hasn't been heaving furniture allegedly uh, out of condo, uh, bal- off of condo balconies before. Yeah, something definitely escalated in his yeah. personal life. Not to mention, yeah. if you really want to be an A-B apologist, and I'm not trying to be, I'm just bringing up this point. When you say he skipped out on the last game of the year, which he did, he quit on his team. Yeah. In his head, I guarantee you he didn't think that's what was happening. I guarantee you he thought, well, I would never miss a game. I'm going to show up on Sunday and play, and I'm good enough to go out there and do everything I need to do because I'm the best and I'm A.B. Well, yeah. And never thought for a second that Tomlin wouldn't let him play. Yeah, I think he was ready to play, according to Tomlin. His agent called the coach and said, hey, he's much better. He can play Right, now. and yeah. then if your answer to that is, well, of course he's not going to play. He didn't do walkthroughs on Saturday, and then he had his agent call, and that's all crazy. But that's yeah. how nuts A.B. is. Yeah. But that's like getting in a fight with your wife and then having your friend call to apologize or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, uh, he's ready for the date. No, the date's off. What are you talking about? That's not on the menu. Well, but I, to Randy's point, I think in Antonio Brown's version of reality, everything was fine up until Sunday morning. Yeah, I didn't quit on the team. They didn't let me play. So I you didn't quit. Guarantee you, you quit. Exactly. All the right moves. <laughs> AB, All the wrong moves. Sorry, AB, AB is convinced he didn't quit on the team, yeah. that they didn't let him play. That I, I guarantee you that's his interpretation. And even, you know, whatever happened at practice – did he run the wrong route? Did he get yelled at? Did somebody throw the ball at somebody? Were there 
where they're mean words exchanged. I mean, yeah, these, guys get, these guys get fights every now and then. Oh, yeah, I, they don't. None of that matters. The rule is always whatever happens out there, once you get in the locker room, it's forgotten and your teammates again. And I think it would have been. I and do that, think that the MVP thing going to Juju rubbed him the wrong way, and it all sort of combined into this you know, big end-of-year frustration for A.B., and they had needed the Ravens to lose to get in the playoffs, and how did we get here? And F this, if they would have just relied on me. I'm not saying any of it's right. No. You can just see but, that A B uh, uh, equation working out. All those factors coming yeah. together for him to not end up playing in that last game. I also think this has been—it's been heading in this direction for a long time because he's been gradually taking a little more rope as, as they've been willing to give it to him because he does stuff like he yes. did in New Orleans, like he did against the Ravens a couple years ago right. on Christmas, and it was going to get here eventually. So maybe in some sort of warped way it's good that they deal with it now and we'll see if it's fixable or if they have to move on yeah they might they, they might just be sick of having to deal with yeah. all of that it gets to be a burden it's everybody a lot you're you are always tolerated to the point of the difference you can make but if the team is deciding it's better off without you then you make no difference so i think the biggest determining factor is what they can get in return if teams are willing to pay yeah. and pay with maybe a first and a third or a or do you go get another player? And is this stuff being talked about if Le'Veon Bell was here this year? does the Did that compound how bad this is for oh, them? Oh, I think it was a factor. I, I, I mean, I think, it, I think it was a factor in their situation. It just, it was, I thought they dealt with it well, but it was hanging over their heads. And you heard Vance McDonald at the end of the year say, hey, I think we dealt with it, but he would have made a difference. Right. I mean, you, James Conner's a wonderful player. He's not Le'Veon Bell. And Juju Smith-Schuster Juju Smith is really good right now. He's not Antonio Brown. Right. You can't just keep discarding your best players and think you're going to be better because everybody likes each other. Rah, rah, go Agreed. team. Let me take a quick break. We'll come back and we're going to talk more about the Penguins last night and uh, also the weekend of NFL playoff football that ended with the uh, the double doink. <laughs> That poor guy. That poor guy probably not going to kick in the NFL again. Well, if it got tipped, then he's okay, right? It got tipped, but yeah, tough year for him. Tough and year. It, well, a lot of guys had a tough year. Yeah. Yeah, that's Boswell. Hey, will Boz come back, or are they go with McCrane? I, you got me. I mean, he's, they kept him all year and then put him on injured reserve, so they didn't cut him when he got hurt. All right, more on the NFL weekend that was and a look ahead coming up. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Mike Pursuta getting back to the sports uh, segment here. The Pens last night on uh, the NBC Sports Network with uh, with Pierre down between the benches. Uh, they've been on a roll, unable once again against the Blackhawks, who seem to have their uh, have their number, unable to get a point last night at home. They kind of botched that when they pulled a the goalie. I thought uh, a little bit, but things have been going pretty good for the Penguins in the last 20 or so games. Really, they had won eight in a row, and uh, not so much last night. They were up 2 nothing and 3-2, to two, and uh, the Blackhawks end up winning at 5-3. to three. Chris Kunitz, uh, his first goal of the season <laughs> for the Blackhawks. Fitting of, that that happened on the night they were honoring part the, of that comeback. the 0-9 team, sure. Uh, Penguins uh, have Florida on Tuesday night. That's going to be 70s night at the old ballpark. As for uh, last night... Chris Letang uh, got an assist on Jake Gensel's goal. That improved Letang's season-long point streak to seven straight games. Letang also tied Rick Keogh for sixth place on the team's all-time 
games played list was 722. I don't think people make enough out of all-time games played lists. If you're up there among the most turned to guys in franchise history, you're doing something right. What? Why can't I think of Kehoe's nickname? Chico. Chico. I was going to say Chief. Okay, there you go. I think it's because he had a mustache that resembled uh, Freddie Prince. And, uh, <laughs> Chico, and, Chico the man. and the man. <laughs> Penguins also recalled uh, Chad Ruweedle from HL Wilkes-Barre-Scranton yesterday. They did not uh, play him last night, but uh, he's back. College football's national championship game is tonight. Alabama against Clemson again. And uh, that's going to be a phenomenal football game. I, I think I don't think Alabama can be beaten, but if anybody can, Clemson can. Mm-hmm. I think this is the best team Alabama has had in this recent run of success under Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. I think the quarterback play separates it. And, uh, boy, Clemson is a really good football team. This is going to be fun to watch tonight. Indubitably. And I really like the guy that uh, West Virginia hired to replace Dana Holgerson. Neil Brown? Neil Brown from Troy. Uh, really, you know, he's not uh, a front and center kind of guy. He's not a Holgie. You look You look at what he did at, at Troy. Uh, 35 and 16. That includes a 31 and 8 the last three seasons. 20 and 4 in conference play. Sunbelt Conference Championship in 2017. Won at LSU in 2017 and at Nebraska this season. I'll always love Holgie. That's hard to do when you're Troy. Mm-hmm. Has anybody ever seen Holgie and David Todd in the same room? <laughs> Do they both bitch about clock management? Yes. I don't think Holgerson does quite so much. The casinos in, uh, in around West Virginia are... Was it really a hit. Did, did Nagy screw it up? What, the end of the Bears game? Yeah. I mean, he got a 43-yard field goal at the gun. Yeah, with a kicker who... Was the second worst in the league well, that I mean, year. He's your, he's your kicker. If he's I'm on your saying. team, he's the guy you trust. Run up there and spike it, and then now you, you know got that? a timeout, and you can try to move the ball down the field yeah, without worrying about to, the clock. Should have tried to get it closer, get a first down. Mm, Forty-three to me—that's close enough. You got to make that. He did, <laughs> and then he didn't. And then he didn't, and then he double doinked it. Windy day in Chicago. <laughs> that never happens. Well, all the more reason. <laughs> I don't know if he screwed it it's up. It's almost just, like that city is just windy. I don't understand. I would always think that if you went into that scenario, you have three plays ready to go. If that one works, you're doing this. If that one, if it doesn't work, you're doing this. I thought they executed it well. Right up to the you know, nice kickoff return. It was a great throw by Trubisky. A couple of things that really jumped out at me is you can return, just watching the games yesterday, you can return a kick ball without committing a penalty. Yeah, isn't that weird? Teams I are didn't able know to that. do that. Also, and, their short guys get good returns. And, <laughs> and the Ravens blocked a couple of kicks, and they actually knew the rules. Stay away from it. Knew how to react. God, that job. So I was. That well, was, Danny Spencer's probably, you know, God Spencer. bless him. Next, next guy out the door for the uh, Steelers, right? Yeah, I don't know. Is, is it going to be a next guy? Is, is Joey he, Porter was a good first move. Is he going over case by case? Joey Porter was a good first move. But I still remember that scene from Hoffa where he becomes president of the Teamsters and he says, "I want you to fire all these guys tomorrow." So if you're going to fire a bunch of people, you don't do it piecemeal. You do it all at once because the people that are left are grateful. Uh, no, I think this is going to be more like uh, Goodfellas, where they have to start whacking everybody. Yeah, yeah. I think the, Keep I think walking the, down. No, there's some suits in that room <laughs> down there, Danny. Keep walking. 
bigger staff concern is whether Munchak comes back or not. And it doesn't look like he's gonna. Well, that would be a huge departure. Well, and I think he's sick of the circus. If there's anybody there who might be. I mean, I know that Ian Todd Haley never saw eye to eye. And if the, if that add him to the list work situation never calmed down there for him, I don't know. That would be uh, that'd be a really tough loss uh, loss for the Steelers. Not just the old line coach, the run game coordinator. Yeah, remember that. BH, Stan Saverin on the way. Broadcasting legend Stan Saverin. Wrapping up the uh, 2018 season for the Steelers. DBE. Erg. The gym I have has a, a steam room, but uh, I'm pretty sure it hasn't been cleaned since Myron Cope was in there oh. yeah. in, this, in the late, late 70s. Disease. You're going to get it. Yeah, definitely getting Legionnaire's disease in that thing. I don't. I, I had a bad experience at a steam room once, and I, I just won't go back. It was like, like Bob Airy? Uh, kind of. Like John Travolta was in there. Going, it was like hey, I couldn't hey, see anything, and then when I could, it was just all the Junk. guys were naked in there. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God. I'm trying to picture Myron in a steam room. <laughs> what sort just, of toxins were getting sweated out there? Uh, just half like, of it was steam, half of it was cigarette smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you shouldn't smoke in here, Myron. I think that kind of crosses out the effect. Wow, sure is steamy in here. That's not steam. That's <laughs> smoke. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Joined now on the DVE Morning Show by legendary sports broadcaster, the one and only Stan Saverin. Stan. The power hour, as he's done all year long, powering through. You know, Stan, earlier this morning I said that the end of this Steelers season, as dramatic as it was, and with the A-B scenario playing out, that for a lot of uh, Pittsburgh's uh, more uh, well-respected sports luminaries, this has really shined a light on just what great work you're capable of doing. I think you're killing it right now. Madden, I said this is cocaine for Madden. I mean, he's just <laughs> he's, he's like the Tasmanian devil. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't bribe AB into holding <laughs> yeah. up. Come on, bro. Right. No, but we look now in, in times like this when there is distress within the organization. We Our nation to, turns its lonely turn, eyes to yes, you. I'm, I've become Robinson. Anne Bancroft. You are. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're trying to seduce me, Stan Sovereign. Uh, here's the problem. There are so many things to talk about when it uh, comes to the Steelers right now that as big as the A-B situation is, there's a lot of subplots that are getting lost in the shuffle that need to be figured out. So before we get to the A-B situation, I want to talk about a couple of those, if that's okay. Of course. Now, the first one is they fired Joey Porter, which I thought was a good move. Uh, if, if for no other reason than distractions outweigh production, you got to go. Uh, and he was capable of that. But there are other changes that need to happen there, namely special teams. Uh, as well-liked and as good of a guy as Danny Smith is, it's just not working. Do you suspect he's next? I don't know about next. I think he's on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you can't blame him for Boswell. No. I mean, a special teams coach, you know, that they don't know anything about kicking, really. I mean, I right. remember Cower when there was a problem with the kicker. I think Chris Brown, maybe with somebody else, said, I don't know what to talk to him. It's like a pitching coach who has a knuckleballer on the staff. You know, only you don't know. You don't know what to tell the guy. I uh, mean, the only way I would blame Danny Smith is if Boswell had a bunch of bubblegum stuck to the bottom of his kicking foot. <laughs> no, but it, yeah, it's he may not... get that when he's at the bus stop in a couple of months, he may <laughs> have to be careful where he walks. I don't uh, think he's culpable for Boswell. That wasn't no. my point. It's um, the, the, the penalty the, on every single that's play. It. Um, you know, that's it. Uh, 
uh, again, I mean, they've got a decent return guy. Uh, I see on returns, I don't see people on the ground. And I don't mean the opponent. I mean, I'm talking about Steeler blockers. You can talk all you want about your returner, but someone's got to block. I don't see enough of that. And I'd like to know what the percentage of blocking in the back holding on kick returns is for, or the average, I should say, percentage for every team and see if the Steelers fall above Mm -hmm. or below the line. You know, for a guy who's supposed to make his living blocking, Rosie Nix is the biggest culprit of all. Now, maybe that's because he's at the point of attack. I don't know. But those are the kinds of things where I would hold a special teams coach accountable, although I'm of the belief that, yes, coaches are accountable, but the players are the ones committing the fouls. And how many times do you have to tell a guy, if you see his name on the back of the jersey, let it go. (laughs) So I I think that's a possibility. Um, I, I don't know what the status of Keith Butler will be. Uh, I've told you guys this over a month ago. I think that was during the three-game losing streak when I still thought they were going to make the playoffs, as did everybody, um, that if they did not make the playoffs or if this trend continued, I think Art Rooney would go to Mike Tomlin and not fire him. It's not what they do. It's not how they do it. But I think he will put him on notice that this has got to stop in terms of losing and I think he'll also demand some changes on the staff. And I wouldn't at all be surprised if Art Rooney didn't have something to say about Joey Porter, maybe partially because of a culture change. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about assistant coaches that, that I don't think people understand well enough, and, and they should, um, and that is you cannot judge them solely based on the progress or lack of same with the positions that they coach. In other words, if you think that Bud Dupree didn't develop Jarvis Jones, uh, Anthony Ciccolo, maybe they just weren't very good and they're bad draft choices. But beyond that, we don't know what they contribute in staff meetings. In other words, those guys just don't coach the position. They're watching tape just like the coordinators do. And they're getting ready to play whomever, Detroit. And Well, look at that. We could do that and that would take advantage of that. What do they contribute when they're watching film study and contribute to the game plan? Mm-hmm. It's not just Tomlin and Butler and Feekner that come up with a game plan. It's the wide receivers coach. It's Munchak. It's it's uh, Carl Dunbar. It's Tom Bradley. How much do they contribute in the film room? And I know for a fact that one Steeler assistant that, that they hired, they thought it was a pretty good position coach. He had been in college. When they he got in the film room, he... He didn't know what he was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, so that may be a factor as well. So if Mike Munchak takes the Denver job, which he's rumored... Uh, he to, was interviewed. Yes. Uh, if he were to go, would that make it less likely that they would uh, have more coaching changes in an effort to sort of shore up a sense of stability? Or would they say, you know what, now's the time to retool everything? Well, you're going to need an offensive line coach. And let's remember something also. Last year... Um, in the last year and a half, they've added four new assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. John Mitchell was kind of kicked upstairs. Carl Dunbar came in to coach the D-line. Tom Bradley came in, new running backs coach, new wide receiver coach. So, I mean, there's already been some turnover, uh, you know, in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Defensively, they're not good enough. Now, they, got will, I mean, to, they got better. I mean, to be they fair, did get better, they had except, an upswing in, the, uh, in that win streak in which the bend-but-not-break uh, uh, strategy was working for them. Yeah. I look at the numbers and I see um, Vince Williams, who should be a law, at a bus station too, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's too many guys like him yeah. who are barely adequate, if that. Uh, well, we're sixth ranked. When it mattered, where were you? Right. You got 52 sacks? Did Oakland. you get one sack when a sack might have won a football game against the Chargers, against the Broncos, against any one of those right. games? Third and Oakland, 20, did you same. get a sack when it mattered? Did you... We know they didn't get any interceptions, so th- those numbers um, they did cut the big plays down, but they're they're not good enough. We we knew that going in, mm-hmm. we understood that going in. <laughs> the dissolution of Artie Burns this year, I mean, that was huge. Yeah, it was, and it caused him to you know cover um, or try to cover with very not only with different personnel, but with different configurations to try to cover up for. A weakness there, and the weakness at inside linebacker. Oh, inside linebacker play this year was uh, not what we're accustomed to. I mean, you, I I would uh, be happy with uh, who was the guy that threw up all the time, and I can't Timmons. Timmons, yeah. If we had like that level of playback, that <laughs> there's would be a great. legacy. You're right. Sorry, Lawrence. <laughs> we we can't put you in the Hall of Fame, but we will remember you for this. But Stan missing on number ones on defense yeah. with Jarvis Jones, Bud Dupree, and Artie Burns. Those that's too many. Here's the thing about missing on number one draft picks. If Jarvis Jones had been what he's supposed to be, then there was no need to draft Bud Dupree, and you might have drafted a different corner. You might have drafted... Who knows what you might have drafted. When you miss with a number one... It's like eating a pepperoni anchovy pizza at midnight. You taste it for days. <laughs> and this is the same thing. You know, you have to recover from that. And now, once again, they've got to look for a corner. They certainly have to look for an inside linebacker. They will have some cap space and free agency, but you never know what you're going to get there. I mean, you're not, for example, uh, it just happens to be James Ferrier's birthday. He's 44. He's better than any inside linebacker at 44 than they ran out there today. The most unheralded free agent signing the Steelers ever right? had. I mean, no. he was great. He was fantastic. Ridiculous. Um, so now they, they have uh, themselves a little bit of a situation going on with the A-B scenario. And I uh, posited last hour that it's likely A-B doesn't think he quit on the team that he was planning on playing on Sunday, and Mike Tomlin kept that from happening. I'm not saying I agree with him. I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just saying, in his mind, he may not have been quitting on the team. I I don't know if this is a the straw that breaks the camel back, camel's back, but this seems in line with a lot of other A-B screw-ups in the past. I'm not even sure Sigmund Freud would know what is going on inside the, I'll put this in quotes, mind of Antonio Brown. <laughs> he's a troubled guy. Yeah, he's he's a sick puppy, as I call him. Uh, people want to blame the Steelers for the way they handle him, they enable him, Tomlin, too soft, this, that, and the other, and all that other kind of stuff. But I remember after the Facebook post live, which came after a playoff win, and they were getting ready to play the Patriots, right, in the AFC Championship game, yep. and, and Mike said, what do you want me to do? Not play him? Is that fair to the other guys in the locker room coming to the AFC Championship game? Now, other me- he was disciplined for that, by the way. I don't know what or how, right. but he was. Um, he's been disciplined before. There's some element to that that they, you know, they. But I don't think you ever nip it in the bud with a guy like that. I mean, what else are you going to do with him? Um, people have a fixed blame to all different parties. But they seem to have forgotten there's only one person to blame for all this, 
and that's Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. And if you want to blame Tomlin, Rooney, uh, teammates, Ben, uh, whatever, none of those people were with Antonio Brown when he's driving 100 miles an hour down McKnight Road. None of those people were standing alongside him helping him throw love seats out the balcony of a 14th floor condo in Miami. He is sick. There's something wrong with the guy. And maybe the ultimate in chutzpah is that he does all these things. He misses meetings intentionally. Remember, he did that after the Kansas City game, too. He didn't show up the day after the game because he was mad because he didn't get the ball. And, oh, by the way, um, I I think it was in the New Orleans game when Juju caught a touchdown pass, he was seen sulking off the field. You know why? Oakland. Uh, because it wasn't him. Um, you have to put up with you know some of that. We've seen this from other guys before. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is that his behavior throughout his career has nothing to do with the way other people treat him because it's occurred away from the field. Our buddy Dave Damashek from the NFL Network has pointed this out that there seems to be a disparity in the narrative of the national pundits and the local guys who cover the Steelers all the time. And nationally, there seems to be this trend towards putting a lot of the blame on Ben. Yeah. And the reasons for that always boil down to shortcomings that could be described as incidents of being uh, petulant, Uh, maybe not being you know as accountable. Uh, accountable but but for very small infractions you know uh, maybe there's a, there's a few of them and they and they could add up but none of them ever come close to matching what Antonio Brown has presented with them to deal with they're not blameless but they don't deserve the lion's share of the blame as I it's said, always got to be on the person there's one person to blame for right. all this and i understand what they're saying nationally i mean ben takes his shots often time to deflect blame from himself the interception in denver um antonio didn't run the right route um that's probably true uh but there are a lot of people who think that he you know he threw Haley under the bus all the time. Oh yeah. Well, they hated each other. I mean, I think right. he was trying to get him run out of town. But but, but, uh, uh, but this this thing is um, unique. I mean, all those may be issues that are complicit uh, in what happened. But I think it it detracts and distracts from the main focus. There's one person's behavior responsible for all this, and again, it's not new. He's missed meetings before. He's been petulant before. That's what this is all about. Um, you know, and just, just so his, his, conf, his confidants now, James Harrison, this is who you go to. Um, why? Boy, James Harrison has really just, every move he makes seems to be screaming, I don't want to be a beloved stealer. Fine. You're not. <laughs> but he is. He had that ovation when they did the uh, 09 team. Um the Super Bowl team. Yeah. What, the tribute, whatever game that was. I can't remember. Yeah. When San Antonio Holmes was back, all those guys were back. Uh, and the crowd went crazy. For Arizona. Him. And I don't think they're. Right. I, I, I think Steeler fans will always remember that interception and they, well, they don't care. Maybe you should but, separate that. Although, the, frankly, his departure from the Steelers was disgraceful. In the last three and years, it was he's on done him. everything he can to undermine Mike Tomlin. And that. He was mad because thing. Tomlin said, oh, I'm going to play you, but they found better people. And the fact of the matter is, when James Harrison left, he couldn't play anymore. And they said, well, he played for New England. If you watch carefully, he couldn't play anymore. Right. He was 40 years old or whatever he was. Mm -hmm. But, uh, again, uh, 
Antonio Brown, again, you can talk all you want about coddling him and all that kind of stuff when you see a guy who is driving up McKnight or down McKnight Road, mm-hmm. I'm not sure which, at 100 miles an hour, when you see a guy who's behaved the way he's behaved, when you see a guy throwing f- furniture off a balcony uh, from a condominium, there's more to this than just missing a meeting. I agree. And maybe it's best if they all brought him and apologized. Is, any, is anyone foolish enough to believe? That said, okay, Antonio, we're fining you fifty grand, whatever it is, and oh, I'm sorry, and but maybe me, me and Ben were cool, and so on. So, anybody really think that this wouldn't happen again? It's gonna of happen. Course it will. Everywhere yeah. he goes, gotta go. You think that's it? Gotta go. Time to go. And I, I, I again, think so I think too, a Stan. prudent question was asked the press conference. Mikey was there. Um, I do think the players should have some input in this. Not that they make the decision, but I think the temperature of the locker room needs to be taken. He quit on the team. Mm-hmm. For those of you defending Antonio, he quit on the team. And the ultimate in hubris is, after all that he did, he shows up Sunday morning after having his agent call the coach, not himself, refusing to answer any calls or texts from Tomlin, who's had his back maybe too much. He's, 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 okay, I'll play. And good for Tom when he said, no, you're not. Um, Which is why I think Antonio doesn't consider himself having quit on the team. I think he thinks Tomlin kept him from playing. That he, he would never, I would never not play. I would never not play. He just didn't do all the things he knew he needed to do in order for Mike Tomlin to play him. Is that the ultimate in narcissism? Yes, he's... There and then he, he leaves at halftime. And then they still hadn't talked. And then he's trolling him real time when when Tomlin's going out there to apologize or excuse away some of his behavior. That's when I thought that that was the first time I thought there's a real possibility he's gone. Oh, Because if he trolls the coach during the press conference to the extent that Rob Rossi brings it up. Hey, coach, you're being trolled by AB right now on social media, which now throws another monkey in the wrench for Coach Tomlin, who's trying to navigate this from a PR standpoint, if there's any hope of salvaging AB's tenure here. Although he, we let it be known, he was pissed, um, oh yeah. and Antonio Brown. But I, I just want to say this. Yeah, Obviously, Tomlin and Colbert will have input. This is going to be Art Rooney's call. This is going to be Art Rooney's decision ultimately, whether he stays or goes. Now, if they decide that they got to get rid of him, now it's Kevin Colbert's responsibility to work out a trade. But, I mean, the ultimate decision, yay or nay, Art Rooney will have final say-so and maybe dictate what the decision is going to be. He's going to get a lot of input from a lot of people, though. No doubt. I just said he's, he's got to talk to some yeah. key players. He's going to hear a out. lot of opinions on this. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. You don't have to do anything now. You don't have to waltz out there and cut them you know, tomorrow morning. Um, they got plenty of time. They've got two months to deal with this. But that's the way they do things, and that's fine. That's that's the prudent way to pr- approach this. Do you think that you know? we know that he keeps a lot of people close, in uh, uh, Steeler alumni, that he uses as consigliaries, you know, like Rocky and those guys from the Golden Era, the guys he grew up with. Um, but in a situation like this, do you want to talk to somebody more like Brett Kiesel? Does uh, somebody who has played more recently have a better understanding of the dynamics of a locker room? Because the modern... I always hate when people I say... I want to talk to Cam Ka- Hayward. When people say Cower would have never st- taken this stuff. Well, That's not true. It's not true. Uh, we The Joey Porter example is one you can pull up right away. I mean, he had to deal with Joey Porter even when he got kicked out of the game before it started. 
and he explained it away. I guess technically he got kicked out of the warm-up. Yeah. <laughs> what was the guy's you name? have to be in the game to get kicked out of the game. William right. Green. William Green. That's the yeah. only hit he delivered his entire career, <laughs> yeah. running back for the Browns. Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think those guys are all... Uh, are, it's all valuable. All valuable, but in this particular instance, the question is, to a current player, how will you feel if that guy is right. in the locker room when we convene? If he even shows up for OTAs or, you know, if, if he's still around. Um, th- that's the people you have to talk to. I, I saw one interesting quote, and I, I don't remember the story, but it was from someone who has worked for the Steeler organization, not a player, for a long time, maybe on the business side, and has known the Roonies, presumably the Chief and Dan and, and Art the Second for a long time. And he said this whole perception of the Steelers What's, be, what's become of that pristine reputation, this will move him to act. Because they're very protective. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to laugh at, you know, the Bengals and, you know, the Raiders and all. Well, guess what? Uh, and I think that that, uh, I think that offends a lot of people. I mean, clearly, the old, you know, veteran player, the older players. But I, I do think that Art um, is offended by this because it's an attack on the legacy of his family and the way they run the Steelers, and I do think he'll, I mean, hey, look, Keyes is the greatest, but I, I think he's not in the locker room anymore. Once you're out, you're out. You're on the outside. you got to talk to some key guys. And, oh, by the way, I've told you the guys this before, there's not enough strong veteran leadership, I believe, in that locker room. More with Stan Saverin when we come back. Mike Pursuta with a sports update on DVE. Get Taco Bell. DVE Sports. All right, Stan Saverin still in studio with us. Power Steeler talk here. Mike Pursuta, though, with a quick diversion. Lots of different sports to talk about here, Mike. Well, we'll still talk about football, but uh, let's talk Let's talk specifically this hour about the Chargers who beat the Ravens 23-17 to and uh, have moved on to play the Patriots. The Chargers were 9-7 and last season and missed the playoffs. Their defense was 15th overall. 31st against the run, third against the pass. So in the draft, the Chargers selected on the first round, safety out of Florida State, Derwin James. So good. On the second round, linebacker out of USC, Uchenna Nwaso. And on the third round, defensive end out of NC State, Justin Jones. James is an all-pro. Jones had a sack yesterday. Nwaso played a lot for them this year. Uh, their defense wound up ninth against the run, ninth against the pass, ninth in total defense. They fixed it with the draft. Can't do that every year, but they've just proved it can be mm-hmm. done. To supplement their offense, they went out and signed Mike, signed Mike Pouncey to play center. He's one of the best in the business, and they got him uh, for $10 million guaranteed. $2.5 million uh, signing bonus uh, split over the two years of his contract. That's a pretty fair price. $5 million this year base, $6 million next year. You can find guys in free agency. Steelers tried to do it through the draft and free agency, and it didn't work as well. I'm, I'm not trying to say Terrell Edmonds is not going to be a real good player for him for a long time, but that's the difference between the safety at number 30 overall and the safety at number 17 overall. So because they are not in the playoffs this year, does this give them a little more wiggle room to identify the guy they want and go get him? Trade up for him. Give some stuff up. Whatever. 
Do they have to spend a little more money in free agency? Do they have to still keep supplementing that defense? I would say yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> so when you, if you part ways with your all-pro wide receiver, now you got a problem on offense too. Just things to consider. I don't have the answer, and I don't know how it's going to work out. But uh, I think the the best thing they have going for them right now is is the element of having time to sort through this and decide and figure mm-hmm. out which way they want to go. Uh, the other thing that was fascinating about uh, yesterday was the Chargers used that improved defense in a way they hadn't all season, in a way no NFL team has all season. Seven defensive backs played 98% of the snaps. They found those guys everybody's looking for. You know, we talk about the tremendous void of, of not having Ryan Chazier because so few people have linebackers that can play the run and still cover. There's, there's got, there's just not, there aren't a lot of guys like that, and the Chargers apparently had enough DBs that they thought, you know what, this is the best running team in the league. We're playing. Baltimore's been all about the run since Lamar Jackson came in and started doing all that read option stuff. We're going to play them with seven DBs, and if they run it, we're going to stop it, and if they throw it, we're going to stop it. Ninety-eight percent of the snaps tells me they weren't using seven DBs based on Ravens personnel. They were using seven DBs based on this is how we're defending you. Deal with it. And the Ravens couldn't deal with it till the very end of the game. A couple weeks ago on December the 22nd, Baltimore rushed for 159 yards and averaged 4.5 a carry, won the game. Yesterday, 90 yards rushing, 3.9 a carry, lost the game. To me, that's coaching. That's Gus Bradley coaching. He's always been a, a great defensive mind. You know, that's the kind of adjustment that you make. The uh, Indianapolis uh, defensive coordinator, you know, the, the kind of game plan they put together, uh, you know, I don't see much of that around here. And, again, you always get the personnel. Yeah. But, frankly, I don't see much of that around here. Well, they, wa- you, they wanted you to see a lot of that this year. They were, they were practicing that in the spring, 7 DBs. The 7 DBs, That right. was supposed to be the answer to New England this time. And – Burnett was hurt all the time, and then uh, Hayden got hurt for a while, and then Camp Sutton, got, Hilton got hurt for a Artie little while. Artie Burns couldn't use him. They just didn't have seven guys they trusted long enough together to to get it off the ground. But I mean, but, a specific game plan. I was just so impressed because the Chargers just played him a couple of weeks ago, and they got run on, and they couldn't move the ball. They didn't move the ball that great yesterday either. Uh, but that, to me, is a coaching staff putting together a really good game plan. Well, and it, it, adjusting is a big part of the postseason, especially. I mean, Seattle had a hard time doing anything different. Baltimore had a hard time getting things going to the fourth quarter. And being able to adjust on the fly is something that I think the Steelers and Steeler fans were really sick and tired of this year, the inability to adjust in-game. Well, they tried a lot of different things at different times. Their biggest problem right now is you got – John Bostick, Vince Williams, and L.J. Ford as your three inside linebackers. Right. And why do you play three? Because you don't have two. And you really don't have one, one that you can trust as a run, as a three-down guy. Guy that can play the run and a guy that can cover. And that when you're trying to work around that and then Artie Burns goes south. That's done, right? Like, he's he's out of here. I have no idea, Bill. Um, I don't think you can say how that. How do you come back from that? Because you might not have anybody else. Yeah, somebody got to play. It's there. There's some personnel issues on defense. I do think they got better this year. I think if you look at the defense after Shazier got hurt last December, and especially in January, compared to where they were at the end of this year, they were better. Are they good enough? No, but they made progress. And I also would think if you don't like the defensive plan, 
you you link Mike Tomlin and Keith Butler together as responsible for that plan. Right. How big? In other uh, words, firing Butler is not going to fix it on its own. If no, you, unless you're going to do like you want you know, somebody's head, bringing in Todd Haley and knocking Hugh Jackson off the offense altogether up in Cleveland type of scenario where they go, Coach, you're the coach. Yeah. And, you're the head coach, and, and the, yes, the defensive coordinator coordinates the D, and the offensive right. guy does that for the offense, Which, and you stay out of it. I think the departure of Mike Munchak would be uh, that would leave really a, brutal for that them would right leave now. A huge void. Yes, I, I I don't know if this would work or not. Um, a lot of people I talk to, um, I don't know that Mike Munchak wants to be a head coach again. You know, he's not young. Uh, mm. To me, is but um, uh, <laughs> when he got done with the Tennessee situation, he just seemed really burned out and, and upset, and so on and so forth, and came here. Uh, and people who know him better than I do say that he just likes to coach. He wants to teach fundamentals. He wants to teach technique. He wants individuals to get better. Um, and the head coach doesn't do all that much coaching i mean he does but he's sort of like an administrator and that sort of thing uh and i don't know if this would work but if i'm the steelers i'm going to munch and say you know when you want a head coaching job you know certainly not going to stand in your way they can't stand in his way but i would say we would like to make you assistant head coach with a salary bump commensurate Mm -hmm. not just a title and maybe make him assistant to the off, uh, run coordinator. You know, teams do that in the well, NFL. He's, he's that now. I mean, yeah. they, they don't call him that, but but he is. That is his function. But I mean, elevate. And the other thing is too is that it's not only the offensive linemen that have great respect for him. Everybody in there does. And maybe sort of make him father confessor. Um, that if a player's got a problem, this is you know would talk go talk to Munch. Um, you know whatever. Um, and you know to kind of change the culture because he uh, he can't appreciate some of the things that have been going on. Uh, I just think that that might give him enough issues. He gets to stay near home. I know he's got family in Denver, but he has family here. Uh, it might not work. He might want to see. Yeah, I want to. I, I want to get the Tennessee taste out of my mouth. But that that combination or some combination thereof might just be enough to keep him around here with an elevated status. I like that idea. Sort of like that dating app. It's just lunch. <laughs> it's just, just lunch. It's just munch. I haven't talked to him about that since the springtime, and he talked about liking, really liking the organization and the way they operate. Uh, really like he really liked being back in Pennsylvania and working yeah. here. Uh, the run game coordinator stuff, I think, is significant. And uh, Craig Wolfley came up with a great term in season when we talked about these guys that uh, would continually have to be thrown into the lineup the last couple of years. And uh, Wolfley started calling them Munchak's millionaires. Because if you're a guy like Chris Hubbard, you come from nowhere and you practice real hard and you learn from a Hall of Famer and you get a little experience and then boom, you go get a big contract somewhere. And the success they had there with what three right tackles and uh, it just went smoothly. Um, They they appear, you know, well peopled up front with more than five options. Uh, That's all on Munchak. That's, uh, I don't know that you get that when you hire another guy. Well, Art Rooney's got a lot of a lot of thinking to do. That would be tough choices this year too. Arguably, I boy, losing AB would be tough. Losing the guy who's kept Ben safe. Ooh. Not that you'd minimize his departure. You don't need AB if he can't, if he's on the ground. But there are other but there are other ways 
um, to actually improve your offense um, or protect a lead, which they had did a terrible job oh. of this year. Um, you and they took their foot off the pedal too many times with that. No, I don't think they better foot off the pedal. I mean, I, I mean, I look at the Charger game now. Granted, when they came out in the second half and they've been great. Uh, I don't remember how many uh, scores they had, Mike, at the end of the first half. They were great at the end of the first yeah. half, and that's why they like to defer because they get the ball to start. Mm-hmm. And that the Charger game, they were driving the ball. Foster gets the holding penalty, phantom holding penalty, but they were running the ball. But the, w- w- by whatever means, they did not build on leads when they had them in the second half. Did they get too conservative? I don't know. I think they threw the ball too much. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with the last uh, quarter-hour segment here with Stan Saverin talking about the 2018 season in review for the Steelers, the eulogy <laughs> of this year's Steelers. I cannot believe we're not in the playoffs. I'm such a dummy, like, watching the Ravens-Chargers game yesterday. All I could think of, because I'm such a homer, was we could beat both these teams. Well, you, I, I know we could beat one of them. We, we should have beat, beat the other. other. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I said even when, when there was still the chance, um, even before the New Orleans game, um, if the Chargers come back here for a playoff game, I like the Steelers' chances. Yeah. But. But. <laughs> <laughs> but Baker Mayfield couldn't complete it on fourth down. All right. Uh, Third downs were. Right? Oh, yeah. That, uh, well, he had Landry. Down. Why don't he just run it a couple times? All they needed was a field goal. Why didn't the Browns do the right thing? They had a lot of time. Hmm. Quick break. We'll be back with Stan. Tom. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Stan Savern with us for the final power hour of Steeler Talk for this season. Stan, I'm going to run through a couple. Who should it have been? Number one, who's your offensive MVP for 2018 for the Steelers? Well, I think as much as they threw, um, despite... He threw some really harmful interceptions, not the total. It's when you throw them in the late fourth quarter. But having said all that, um, it's got to be Ben. 5,000 yards. I concur. Yeah. Defensively, defensive MVP. Joe Hayden. T.J. Watt. Both, yeah. Both both good players. Wouldn't argue with T.J. Sure. Watt either. He's developing into a star. I just said Hayden because... Of course, you can say the same thing about Watt. Um, Hayden was like the lone wolf back there, and he, he just, whatever they have, he brings it together. Right. Yeah. My favorite play of the year, maybe, was when Baltimore ran a sweep and they pulled Orlando Brown, and Hayden just dove at Brown and got destroyed, but he got in the way and, and was able to make the tackle while he was being run over by a 300-pound offensive tackle. That, to me, showed what Joe Hayden's all about. My yeah. play of the year was Hayden climbing the ladder and intercepting Brady in the red zone. That wasn't bad either. He, he was a whatever-it-takes kind of guy. Oh, if he hangs on to that one in the end zone against the Chargers. Probably still playing. All right. Stan, how could the Steelers what have... What about ha- special teams MVP? Yeah, I'm not even going there because there's, <laughs> there, is, there isn't one. The snapper, the long okay, snapper. No, he, he committed two, two uh, penalties. <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> it can't be him. He had two, Canada had two penalties. Yeah. How does it... <laughs> Screw him. All right, let's say... Uh, and you can't say Rosie Nix because, uh, you know... For a guy, as I said earlier, for a guy who makes his living blocking... He might have been the most penalized guy. I mean, you know, too many guys, you know, like that. I mean, is it, is it time for Darius Hayward Bay to go? 
please. <laughs> he's a nice fella, though. I'm sure he's a very nice fella. Nice fella. Uh, nice gets you out of the playoffs. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Uh, speaking of nice, uh, could the, the Steelers have handled the Le'Veon Bell situation better? I don't think so. People say they could have offered him more, and by the letter of the law, they could have. Mm-hmm. But they were operating on what the CBA says, and they offered him what they had to offer him. Um, and I'm sorry to say that, well, they should have just you know not tagged him, and uh, they had no way of knowing. Nobody, nobody thought that Le'Veon Bell would sit the whole season. Everybody thought that he would show up Labor Day week, and that would be that, just like in 2017. No, I, to me, that's the classic ultimate second guess. Yeah, I think Samuels, drafting Samuels was the hedge against the unlikely. Mm-hmm. And they probably needed a third back anyway, they thought. Yeah, but I mean, he's pass-catching guy out of the back. He yeah. does, does Le'Veon things. And, all right, 98%, we're 98% sure this guy's going to show up, but if he doesn't, draft this guy and... You're covered a little bit. All right. Assuming they don't use the savings from uh, Antonio Brown not being there to re-sign Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> are you... Uh, are we absolutely sure that can never happen now, by the way? I, I mean, Steelers can tag the him. They can tag him a third could, time. Could they just give him what he wanted the first time now? Well, they could still negotiate a long-term contract yeah. with him. I mean, I mean that, technically, he would he would fill a receiver spot. Is that off the table? I don't know. I have Technically, no idea. No, it's not because he doesn't become an unrestricted free until agent March, until right? March. So that is pops. They they could tag him again, but um, if there were no other offers, they would have a, a right to match. But the salary for Bell next year, quarterback money, twenty five mil. <laughs> Ben's going to restructure his contract unless you go. They can go transition though, right? And let let the market decide. Yeah, and then they would have you know a right to a match. I, I they can match, and then you would get draft. Or, no, I don't think you get the compensation. No, you, you don't. You get nothing. You'd have the right to Here, match. Here, if you just dump it, you get a third in twenty twenty. Yeah. Well, who do you think had a more egregious season from a teammate standpoint, Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown? What's more unforgivable? I think, I think Brown. Brown. Yeah. I mean, I think they adjusted never to Le'Veon Bell. I mean, and let's remember, yeah, but those guys were all the, pissed off. Le'Veon I mean, Bell yeah. hurt their feelings because he didn't communicate with them, and they all thought he was going to show up, and he didn't. And he told some of them he would. But it's still a money thing at heart with Le'Veon Bell, and they all get that. Trust me, they all get that. Mm-hmm. I think. Let's remember something during the times when Le'Veon Bell could have reported when he was still eligible. That was during the seven-two and one. That was during the six-game winning streak. So how bothered were they? Not Actually, much. I think it might have compelled them to uh, put out those uh, efforts that they did. The offensive line, I think, took it as a challenge. Uh, what do you see as the biggest need this offseason? Outside of resolving the, the Browns situation, yeah, outside and that, that may yeah. have something to do with it. Um, sure. Well, I mean, you, you're talking about terms of personnel? Who's getting drafted number one? Boy, uh, again, I, I, I'm, my understanding is, is that this is not a deep draft for defensive backs. Um, but, you know, even that, if you expect to get a really top-notch defensive back, you pretty much have to draft in the first 15. Now, as Mike alluded to, one of the things about drafting 20th and not making the playoffs, if you do want to trade up. Is that where they are, by the way? Or? 20, yeah. yeah. You're closer if you're 28, you're not going to get as position. much to move up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, you move as many spots. I mean, you're not going to see many Polamalu moves when they move from 27 to 16. 
Um, I, again, it depends on the crop. I would be fine with either uh, a great corner, if there's one out there, or the kind of inside linebacker that Ryan Shazier was, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I also think they need to be more disruptive with their front three. Again, not everybody has a Fletcher Cox. Not everybody has an Akeem Nicks, a Hicks, excuse me. Um, but, man, those guys, they dominate the line. They're disruptive. They dominate. They, they get penetration. And the Steelers' front three is good. But the only, the only they have one playmaker on defense, one, and that's T.J. Watt, the only one. They need playmakers at whatever position. Stan, who do you have on your show today? Uh, today, uh, we'll talk about the Penguins game last night with Mike Lang. I'm also going to ask people because they honored the 2009 team, which was just a great year and a great team and a great run. Of the five Stanley Cups, what was your favorite? What was the most meaningful one to you? We've also got a guy from USA Today who uh, is in Santa Clara for tonight's uh, Alabama-Clemson Ooh. game. Bama? So, is it Nick Saban? It is not Nick Saban. He doesn't speak to me. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but I'm, I, I still have to decide on my favorite. Uh, my favorite cup of the five. I've, I've got it narrowed down to two. The first and the second? No. <laughs> I like first, the, uh, the 09 one. Yeah, the first and the 09. And there was a, there's a correlation between the Steelers. I remember being uh, in Detroit for Super Bowl forty and doing all the shows, TV and radio from there. Mm-hmm. And all the people from Pittsburgh came up. And people were saying to me, said, you know, we respect what the Steelers of the 70s did. But we weren't around then, or we were just little kids. Right. We want one with our own. And I thought the same thing was true of the 09 Penguins, because 91, 92 is a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the younger people, and you know, hockey feeds younger people. It was very meaningful um, to them. So th- yeah. those are my two favorites, I think, 91 and 09. And the way it happened, too. I mean, it came down to the absolute last oh, shot. Oh, man, that, that's one of the great thrills of my life, thought, being there. Growing up as a Penguin fan, when the goal was to have them make the playoffs so they could have two sellouts and have a team again next year, when you go from that to winning the first cup, <laughs> nothing will ever top the first cup. But I love that third one for the reasons you mentioned. And because to me it was a continuation. It was like a two-year thing with that Red Wings team. Yeah. And yeah. that was just so cool to cover both of those series yes. professionally. It was like the, Rocky 1 and Rocky 2. the games and the, being, right. That Detroit something. tradition and all that, and how good that Red Wings team was, and how they both went right down to the wire. The Marion Hosa factor. Yeah, I mean, that it was, was a big. It was only oh, six games yeah. the first time, but he's diving at the side, puck, you know, before times. they're eliminated. And that was those. That was two really cool years. Yeah. Well, the other thing I would say about the '09 was that the Steelers won the Super Bowl again that year, and I have the Sporting News still at home with the cover with Sid and Ben on it. Which was like reminiscent of the old Willie Stargell Bradshaw, which by the way I've got framed in my oh, house. Yeah. yeah, that's I w- wish I would have gotten an autograph. Um, had the opportunities. But, I'll sign know. it for you. Just give him his stand. What were you gonna say, Val? No, I think even though I didn't watch any of the games, I think for me it was the second cup because that got me interested in hockey. Really? Because I was like, what is this hockey bit? Because my dad always watched it, and I thought that's stupid. All they do is fight. <laughs> But after they won the second cup, I'm like, maybe I should pay attention to this hockey business. I love the way the town reacted. In 91, uh, you know, 
Hockey was kind of a niche sport. I mean, you know, Mario changed some things, but in mm-hmm. that regard, there was a the hardcore people. But the way the interest exploded during the night, we'd never experienced that. They'd only been in the playoffs in 89, right? Mm-hmm. Got knocked out by the Flyers in the second round. They hadn't made the playoffs, you know, since Mario had gotten there in 84. And, uh, I mean, I remember being educated. Badger Bob was telling us, oh, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, we didn't know. We'd never, even the media, we'd never been through the playoffs, uh, you know. Uh, and, and I wondered, you know, what, what, how the town would react. But the way the people got so excited, it's like everything here. The, the town becomes one. It, it, that was the most meaningful thing. And I stayed over in Minnesota um, when they won it in game six. And I flew back. And so I had only heard... And no, inter, you know, n- no uh, internet and that sort of thing. Twitter. Um, when I heard about what happened at the airport, I was stunned. And then when they had the thing at Point State Park, I was amazed at how many people showed up. Mm-hmm. And you know, people prayed through the South Side when they won the first cup. Um, became a hockey ton. That was Borky. What do you say we take the cup down to the river? Party, Party all, all summer. summer. I think I have that quote here somewhere. Yeah, undoubtedly. It's lost in the morass. Okay. No more ass here. I'm going to leave. And then... Uh, Boston <laughs> crevasse. Stands on today, noon to 2, ESPN Radio 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Special thanks to Jeremy Fowler from ESPN. Billy Gardell returns to the show tomorrow. M- Michelle's up next. She has the electric lunch. You have something? You're looking at me like you have something. No, I'm just looking. I, I, I like watching you wrap things up. Bama or Clemson? <laughs> Bama. Yeah? All right. Until so so somebody beats them, I'm certainly not going to... Lay the points. ...predict it happening. They're just, I think this is the best Bama team Nick Saban's ever had. <laughs> and I is, think that every year. That is saying something. But the quarterback play to me is different than anything they've ever had before. Take the over. Yeah, maybe. Go over. 24-6 last year. Be careful. Ooh, sage advice from Stan Saverin there. Be careful. <laughs> nah. You uh, know, they do call it gambling, not winning. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.